Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. This is the Court Today replay on C103. Hoping everybody is in good form and certainly looking out the window at... Uh, Gorgeous blue skies, a little bit of clouds starting to build up now, but it really is the weather is just glorious. And the really good news coming from Met Air, and they tell us that temperatures next week are set to soar above 20 degrees Celsius. Ireland was set to benefit from a high pressure front, which is bringing a warm airflow up from southern Europe. And long may that last, because the weather makes it a little bit easier while the lockdown continues. John Paul and Sadie are taking your calls this morning 1850 anything you want to share with us we'd love to hear from you you can text her WhatsApp 086 and we are all preparing for some easing of the restrictions from next Monday it's still not official we do have to wait for the Taoiseach Leo Varadkar in a kind of a state of the nation address to address the nation sometime reading the I was trying to I'm trying to find out the time he's going to do it uh, today and reading the papers it's anything between three and four o'clock it's expected I think Simon Harris is going to join him as well I think you know we have a we have a good idea what he's expected to say but until he addresses the nation and makes it official that lockdowns are to be restricted I mean one of the ones that a lot of people I know are looking forward to is meeting up with family members and friends and from Monday it's expected that groups of four people uh, can meet up but there is a sting in the tail on this one you have to be living within a five kilometre radius of each other so if you're living in Bandon or in Kinsale or in Mallow or in Canturk you can't jump into the car and drive into the city to meet up with friends you still have to be within that five kilometre radius that's still staying in uh, place and you know what's expected for Leo and Simon this afternoon we're going to be expected to be told look we are there are some easing of restrictions but people are going to be told you know don't mess about with this don't uh, don't take advantage of the easing of the restrictions and only meet up in the small groups of no more than four and and I laughed when I read this it's you're to meet up with small groups of friends and relatives like who else I don't think anyone's planning on going out and meeting up with random strangers but they're asking people you know don't take advantage of them I mean the message is still very much where possible to stay at, at home and the National Public Health Emergency Team NEFID yesterday agreed to move in 
into the phase one because all of the checks and balances have put, been put in place and the daily figures are, are they're lining up correctly and we are continuing to flatten the curve. So Neffert said to the government, yeah, we are ready to go ahead and start very gently to reopen the country. So then the cabinet will, will sign off on the Neffert recommendation and then Leo Varadkar will this afternoon announce the first significant easing of lockdown restrict, restrictions since the country first went into lockdown, which is now, what, well over seven weeks, is it, at this stage? You kind of lose track on time. So what exactly is to open on Monday? What so many people are looking forward to uh, will be garden centres are to reopen. The farmers markets, I'm hearing a lot of people talking and getting very excited about heading off to the farmers markets, which is terrific. And for the all of the small producers who make a living from the farmers uh, markets it certainly is a good news story uh, for them and it will be great for them to get back to selling their wares and, and as I say people are quite excited about going back to buy produce at the far- farmers markets hardware stores are and homeware stores are going to reopen again a lot of people have been doing little bits of DIY around the home and they're in need of uh, items I certainly and it should remain nameless there's one item that I need to get to a hard a homeware store first thing well I can't do the first thing on Monday morning but as soon as I finish the show I'm in need of an item so I'll be heading off to a homeware uh, store Opticians are going to reopen on Monday motor and bicycle repair shops they're opening phone repair shops anyone got a broken phone you can get it fixed from Monday and then outdoor workers in construction they can return to work along with gardeners and again we've had calls in from listeners who whose gardens are really gone into a mess and they're waiting on you know people who rely on somebody who comes every couple of weeks to cut their grass and they haven't been able to do it as in from Monday gardeners are going to be very busy and if you are uh, have an allotment uh, people have been outside the gates of their allotment watching their beautiful produce knowing they need to get into weeds knowing they need to get into tie up some of the items well allotments people working on allotments can go back from Monday so quite a lot in some ways and in other ways not enough for, for other people now we're going to have to all be very sensible about it when everybody heads out to the individual shops and farmers markets on uh, Monday. And it will be interesting to see, you know, what kind of queues are going to be forming outside. I mean, we've very much gotten used to queuing outside of supermarkets. I think we can expect and we will be seeing the very same outside of garden centres. Farmers markets will be another one. They're going to have to do social distancing. So people... The, I think you're going to have to get it out of your head if you think you can just pull up, run in and run out run out again. You're going to have to allow yourself some time if you need to shop at any of those stores because we still have to abide by social uh, distancing. So there will be queues outside a number of these uh, stores, but they will all reopen from Monday. Tennis courts, if you're a tennis player, get out your whites and golf courses. They will all reopen from Monday. Again, social distancing will have to uh, apply. And if you're waiting to go to the optician. Going to the optician is going to be slightly different. I mean, obviously, if you think about it, any of us who have, I wear contact lenses, so I would be, I I would go to opticians uh, maybe once a year. Very hard to 
have your eyes tested and for social distancing and for the optician to stay two metres apart, particularly when they're putting the glasses on you and they're putting the little lenses in and, and all of that. The Association of Optometrists Ireland, they've come out saying, look, we're all ready to reopen on Monday, but it is going to be slightly different. They're saying appointments will be kept as brief as possible. There obviously will be a limit on the number of people that will be allowed in the premises at any one time. And where close examinations are required, personal protective equipment, the PPE will be worn and there will be recommended protocols that will have to be followed. But they will, I'm assuming if you you would need to make an appointment, you won't just turn up with your opticians. But I'm assuming people will be told to stick to their appointment time and don't be turning up early, don't be turning up uh, late. And then, as I say, a limit on the number of people that will be allowed in. So, and again, there would probably be an initial rush for people if they've had a problem with their eyes and they need to get or they need to, they need to get their prescription uh, changed you're going to need to be ringing your optician get your appointment there could be some delays with that because if they're limiting the number of people that they can take into the premises I'm assuming they're going to have to limit the number of appointments that they can have initially so you may have a little bit of a wait with that it's sort of a little bit what it's going to be like uh, when the hairdressers and the beauticians open on the 2nd of July I mean you could be waiting a month two months to even get an appointment. I've heard a number of hairdressers already taking appointments. Others have decided against that and said, no, they're going to wait until close to the time. But I have heard of some places that are already taking appointments, particularly some of the larger hair salons in some in some of the cities. One of the Dublin, one of the larger Dublin hairdressers, I think there's already an eight week wait to get an appointment. And that's with they're they're opening the hairdressing salon from 8 in the morning until 10 at night and there's already an 8 week uh, wait but anyway we'll talk about that we'll hold off talking about that until July because that's certainly hairdressers are not going to open before the 20th of July at the moment unless things um, change so this is all what we're looking at for Monday and what Leo Varadkar Tishak and more than likely Simon Harris will talk about this afternoon is all to do with phase one. Then phase one will remain in place for three weeks, which will bring us up to the start of phase two, which is down for the 8th of June. And they'll wait and see how the next three weeks go. What's the country looking like with the garden centres open, the farmers markets open, the hardware stores open? They'll be very much looking at the number of new COVID-19 positive cases cases. They'll obviously be looking at the number of people who have died. They'll be looking at the hospital capacity. The important number always to watch is the number of people that are in the ICU. And then, of course, the R number, the number that's going to be an important one at the moment. That's gone very low. I think it's down to 0.4, which means anyone that gets infected, the chance of them passing it on is at 0.4. It was at one stage up to 2.7. So we've done really well on that. But we need to keep that number low. So if everything goes according to plan and we all stick with the social distancing and the coughing etiquette and we stay at home as much as possible and we limit the number of people we meet up with, then we will be ready to move to phase two on the 8th of June. Now, a lot more will open up on the 8th of June. And I suppose the big one for the 8th of June, we will be allowed to travel up to 20 kilometres from our home. Um, and but again, it will be only make the you know don't make unnecessary journeys. It'll you know that will all still be uh, in place. But you know the libraries, for example, are expected to open up, but that's not until the eighth of June. But we're going to have to wait and see how the next 
three weeks go. It is going to be really, really uh, important and, and everyone just needs to kind of play ball over the next uh, few weeks. And then the other big story I think that came out from yesterday that was almost jaw dropping and a probe now is underway to try to find out why a hospital and I don't know the hospital by the way in case people think I do, I don't there was a lot of rumour on social media last night as to which hospital it is. But anyway, and we don't know. The speculation is it's a hospital in the South, even though Tony Hoolan came out yesterday evening and, sa- and said he didn't say it was in the South. But what I noticed, he, he didn't say either it isn't in the South. He just said he didn't say it was in the South. Anyway, this probe is underway. This is the hospital that failed to report well over 200 positive cases of the coronavirus And some of them were diagnosed as far back as the middle of March and they waited until the middle of May to make the phone call and say, oh, by the way, we have, I think it's close to 250 cases of COVID-19. And that then yesterday caused this big jump in the newly diagnosed uh, figure. And it was up to the Chief Medical Officer, Tony Houlihan, to pass on that information uh, yesterday. And you could see he was annoyed. You really could see he was annoyed. And he then had to admit after he gave out the overall figure, he then had to, I think it was 426 uh, cases. Uh, He said, and you could see, I mean, I kind of gasped when he said 426 because it had been down at under 200 on all of the sort of other days this week and we were doing quite well. And suddenly he comes out with 426 cases. I was thinking, oh, how is this going to affect the reopening of Ireland on Monday? But then, of course, he had to explain that he was only informed yesterday of this large batch of cases from this one uh, hospital. Now, COVID-19 is a notifiable disease and it is essential, obviously, for accurate surveillance and detection of any worrying patterns in the spread of the virus that cases are reported as quickly as possible. The delayed reporting from the hospital then led to that total yesterday of 426 uh, cases. Uh, Yesterday's cases were also driven by a large outbreak of infection in a meat plant in the south was what Tony Holohan said, which we all now know is the key pack plant in Watergrass Hill. And I'm going to be talking with Anne Murphy on the Echo about that particular, uh, the large number of positive cases at that plant in a couple, couple of minutes. So he did say that that was added to this figure and that's what brought up the figure of 426. Now, Dr Holohan said he will write to all hospitals now to remind them of the necessity to promptly report cases of the virus to allow for proper surveillance. He said there is an obligation to make those notifications. He did not believe that deaths at the hospital from the virus were not reported. And he also said that the local occupational service would have been responsible for tracing contacts of confirmed cases. But that would be my worry. And I think we do need further clarification. Okay, if they want to do this cloak and dagger of not telling us where the hospital is but I do think they need to go back to the hospital they need to find out why they decided to hold the information for two months and then suddenly ring up and say oh by the way we've had all of these cases over and I mean the two say it was 250 odd cases it would have been you know 10 one day 6 another day 8 another day that have been added to the figures it, you know it wouldn't have spiked the figures and wouldn't have made the figures seem anyway higher on any of the days except for yesterday when we were managing to bring the numbers down and suddenly 
suddenly this huge big spike in figures and it's down to the fact that they kept their figures uh, hidden for some strange reason. So I think there needs to be an an explanation. I mean, they need to find out why. Somebody needs to contact the hospital to find out why they, they hadn't reported it. And then I think the really important one is to find out, did they do proper contact tracing on all of those confirmed uh, cases? And I already see a WhatsApp in on this. Michael says, Patricia, you wouldn't see this in the fantasy world of the movies. How could any particular hospital accumulate over 200 cases of COVID-19 since mid-March and not report them? Until now, it's just mind-blowing. Very, very strange. I wonder, says Michael, who took the decision not to disclose the COVID-19 figure. Was it leaked by a staff member? Was there any contact tracing went on? How many were involved? Did any of those who were on the contact tracing list, did any of them then test positive for COVID-19? It's all very, very odd. Most hospitals would have a microbiologist, but most smaller ones don't have one. Again, only certain named infections have to be reported to the HPSC, that's the Health Protection Surveillance Centre. It would appear that the evidence is there that it was a deliberate decision not to report, even though we don't know that. But I think we need to find out. We need to find out why more than anything else. Did they not realise that sooner or or later it would get out? I ask what was the reasoning for this? There is a legal requirement to report such data. You cannot downplay or attempt to downplay an extremely serious matter of this nature. It is extremely interesting. We will only have to watch this space. And that's from Michael. And watch this space, we will. And let's uh, see. As I say, don't know if we're ever going to find out the name of the hospital but I do think they need to Tony Houlihan I think and his team needs to dig deeper and to find out what exactly was going on at that hospital and to find out about the contact tracing 1850 our lines are open can I give a quick shout out to a special little girl Chloe Drake who was due to make her first Holy Communion tomorrow Saturday in Bandon and her cousin Ava Rose Harrington, who was also due to make her first Holy Communion tomorrow Saturday in uh, Timaleague. And obviously that first, those first Holy Communion Masses are not going, uh, going ahead. And uh, all of their families want to just give a shout out to them today. Chloe Drake and Ava Rose Harrington. Uh, no doubt you'll do something special tomorrow to make up for the fact that it's not your first Holy Communion Day, but you will get your first Holy Communion Day. We promise you that. And I imagine there's a lot of little boys and girls and a lot of family members very disappointed because we're right into communion season so there would have been a lot of First Holy Communions planned for tomorrow so we're thinking of them all today. Now as we mentioned a group of workers in the Keepack meat plant in Watergrass Hill have tested positive for COVID-19 and Murphy is writing about this uh, in today's Echo and Anne joins me. Good morning to you Anne. Good morning uh, and, and, and you're welcome. Now why was the decision taken to conduct mass testing at this plant? Meth testing is going on at um, a lot of the meat plants um, because over the last couple of weeks um, the area has come under uh, the way, um, has come under the spotlight because of there are now more than 600 meat workers across the country after testing positive for COVID-19. Now, in recent weeks, um, there have been a number of people who had displayed symptoms in the plant in Montgomery Hill and had got tested and had tested positive. But the blanket... Um, testing began at the plant on Monday and Tuesday and now 
um, the results of those are starting to filter through the first of those coming through yesterday evening about half three or uh, four o'clock um, and um, people who had no idea that they had COVID-19 because they were asymptomatic are testing positive. Wow. And have we any idea on numbers? Are they giving numbers? Not yet, Patricia, because um, not all, uh, like the the results are still coming back and they probably will be into tomorrow as well. So it'll probably be um, next week before there'll be a concrete figure and it's unknown whether we'll actually be able to get um, the concrete figure or not. Um, KPEC have told me yesterday, a spokesman for them told me yesterday that they wouldn't be commenting on it. Um, it's an area as well which has um, a high um, rate of uh, non-nationals working in the sector. So English wouldn't be their first language. So um, in a lot of cases, people, you know, it, it may not come through exactly how many people in each plant um, has tested positive, but um, there are fears that the, that the numbers in Moscow could be quite high. And if it's a lot of non-nationals, there's a lot of Brazilians, isn't there? And East, Eastern Europeans. Yeah, a lot of Brazilians and Eastern Europeans. And I suppose the concern then is that um, the social distancing outside of work would be difficult as well because um, the carpooling situation um, is, is a big way for uh, these workers to get to the plant in Waterbrass Hill. And also they are living together. How um, shares. Yes, and in other cases, there are a number of generations of the one family living together that would have um, come over to live in Ireland um, to seek a better life. Um, and so there are, um, I know of one family where there is concern after one member has tested positive because of young children in the house and then older people living in the house as well. So that is a big concern about the social distancing, both in the plant and outside the plant. It's also going to make it rather difficult for somebody who now has been tested COVID-19 positive. It's going to make it very difficult for them to self-isolate at home if they're living in overcrowded conditions. It is. Uh, I, I've heard of some cases where, um, you know, obviously people in health care conditions are sharing rooms. So in in a lot of families where somebody would have tested positive, it's easy for them to self-isolate in a way in their own room, but not in a situation where there's house shares with, with bedrooms being shared and, and that kind of situation is going to make it very difficult for we, people to self-isolate. We, we don't have a City West facility here in Cork, do we? No. We no. They no. could. We could get them to City West though, I suppose, could we? Could they go to City West? I suppose we could, but um, I suppose it, it depends on... The, the, the problem in this sector is because of the high proportion of people who don't speak English, um, communication is going to be an issue as well. Um, And there are concerns that in this sector, people may not be fully aware of the guidelines and the restrictions that are in place in Ireland and the... Um, because of um, the difficulties in getting that communication across to people. People are concerned that um, people who are asymptomatic have been going around not knowing that they have the the virus um, and unknowingly spreading it. Mm -hmm. Obviously unwillingly spreading it because they don't want to spread it. But, um, you know, if you are asymptomatic and you have no idea that you have it, it is very difficult. And it's not just here in Ireland. I've been reading reports from overseas. These meat plants seem to be almost be hot spots for COVID-19. They do, right across the world. Yeah, yeah. It's, um, it's a big problem right across the world. But part of the um, problem is the um, the uh, the air cooling systems in the factories make it um, a bit of a hotbed for the disease to spread, apparently. Um, and then, obviously, the, 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 the focus as well is on the outside 
the point where it's a, it's a industry that attracts yeah. groups of workers living together, which makes it very difficult. Is the plant still open and still fully operational? I'm not sure of that now this morning. Um, I'm trying to get confirmation of that um, at the moment. I know it was open yesterday um, and that some people were receiving their results while they were at work. But I'm not sure this morning what the situation there is. And I'm assuming great fear amongst the other wor- the workforce who haven't contacted COVID-19. Yes, but uh, I think the fear at the moment is that people are still waiting for their results as well. So yeah. there's the unknown factor of are they going to get the call today or tomorrow saying that they have it. So there's a lot of I suppose, uncertainty um, in the population there at the moment. And this obviously was the meat plant that Tony Houlihan was referring to yesterday when he was talking about the spike in the numbers. The, the, he did reference yeah. the, um, a meat plant in the south. So um, I, I'm not sure if he was talking about that, but I'd imagine he yeah. probably was yeah. referring to, to it at this point. OK, yeah. all right. Listen, and thank you for that and stay safe. Thank you very much. And thanks, to you too. thanks for joining us. Uh, bye bye. That is uh, Anne Murphy, uh, journalist with The Echo. Uh, 1850 Now, we're, we're, John Paul, I know, is looking into this just to see if we can get clarification on this, but we'll, I'll call it out just to see has it happened to uh, anybody else or has anybody else received anything? Uh, I'm assuming this came in the post today. Hi, says Lister. I'm texting regarding the COVID 19 payment of €350 Euro a week. Why is social welfare sending job seekers forms to be filled in I thought that the COVID-19 payment had been extended further so it would be great if any one of your listeners knew anything about this thanking you okay we're we're looking into uh, that because initially when it was given it was given it was a 12 week period wasn't it we're still within that 12 week period and I know at the time when it was introduced as a 12 week period the idea was that most people would be back at work at the end of the uh, 12 weeks but they did say at the time that if people weren't back at work at the end of the 12 weeks and the 350 couldn't go on forever and that people would then revert to job seekers but they just made the form very simple at the start and that worked in fairness to the department they, I think they were spot on with the way they allowed people to apply for that many people applied online it was a simple one page form it got filled in it got sent off if you ticked all of the boxes right and you had lost your job you got your 350 euro they paid it out pretty quickly afterwards to people rather than tying people up with the more complicated form of the job seekers forms but it was always expected that after the 12 weeks if you were still unemployed you would then go on to job seekers but I haven't heard of anybody else but we'll we'll give it out just to see I don't know if anybody else has been receiving that a job seekers form somebody who's on the COVID-19 payment of €350 we will look into it and hopefully have some clarity back before the close of the programme John Paul and Sadie taking your calls 1850-333-103 Court today on C103 with Mallow College now enrolling for courses in September plan your future education see the full range of courses at mallowcollege.ie Fonsa Walcha Let's see 103 COVID needig on shutting air in Agus Kamwitz Fanox Oalia con Wits Fane Agus Akela Akusens. A niche not planned a Kui Kamina Aun Hyan Tira Oskazurish. Kuzi on Sukta Vadig Baltana Bay Derla Cooper Shrinta of the Aun Hanafane. Makan to Dolamak and Bino Kukasa all. Fan Ga Vader Erelide Ogwina Ella. Bigi Olaf Lista Shopadorata Agus Nabi Brazal. Tor Aragonadini Ella Tasha Shopa Agus Gunner Fern Eta Igo Brown. Matatu Dolamon Akliach the Tavamwe and Nish Takiadago Fana Voskut Kui Kilometer Dembale in 
COVID-19 continues to impact on our day-to-day lives. We want to remind you of some practical ways to protect yourself. Wash your hands properly and often. Cover your mouth and nose when you cough or sneeze. And dispose of used tissues. Disinfect frequently touched objects. Avoid any contact with people from outside of your household. Don't touch your eyes, nose or mouth if your hands are not clean. And please follow all advice issued by the HSC and the government. This message is supported by Irwin's Pharmacy, Shandon Street, Mayfield and Toker. Always looking after your family. For coronavirus updates and information, stay listening to C103. And a couple of queries in. Hi Patricia, could you find out please, will my friend have to self-isolate when he travels down from Belfast? He's not due to travel until two months time and I'm wondering will he have to self-isolate? People are required to self-isolate for 14 days if you arrive in Ireland from any other country staying indoors, completely avoiding contact with other people. It includes Great Britain, but it does not include Northern Ireland. Okay, and that's from gov.ie. So your friend travelling from Belfast does not have to uh, self-isolate. And another listener says, Patricia, any update on the property tax? Does it have to be paid next week? No, we got on to revenue on that one and they actually came back to us during the week and the new date for the local property tax for those that pay by an annual direct debit instruction has now been pushed out to the 21st of July. This was the payment that was due to be made in March then they moved it to May and now they've moved it further so the 21st of July if you pay your local property tax by direct debit. Now yesterday Cork County Council discussed with members of Bandon and Kinsale Municipal District a programme of action and interventions which will ensure our towns can safely reopen. To find out more I'm joined by uh, Councillor Alan Coleman. Good morning to you, Alan. Good morning, Patricia. And you're, you're welcome to the programme. Now, what do you believe are the greatest challenges facing our towns as we prepare to reopen them? Um, I suppose the, the greatest challenge is to, is to ensure that we can make the public feel comfortable and confident if they come in and shop in our towns. That's at one end of it, to, to ensure that the public feel happy that they have the space um, to safely shop in their local town. Yeah, and that um, they're confident about doing it. Yes, that they can confidently come into town and feel there is space, they won't be crammed up against other people, that, that social distancing can happen in our towns. Um, like this is a, a big opportunity for the towns because people will only be able to travel 20 kilometres mm. the next while. So it's a t- time for you know local people that mightn't have been doing all their shopping locally that, you know, to reconnect with their towns. So the challenge for the council and the retail sector is to, to make sure we make the towns as safe as possible. So we're setting up town activation teams. Okay. Uh, the meetings are starting early next week. There'll be one in Kinsale and one in Bandon, our old municipal district, but the same throughout West Cork. The, 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 all the towns will have these. And it'll involve, obviously, the elected members the, and officials from the roads department, <coughs> uh, senior executive officers from from the LEOs, the local enterprise offices, to, to help the um, businesses and a lot of local representatives the retail sector will be there we'll have representatives the town tidy towns communities 
associations, the Gardaí, and the AIDS friendly as well, because <clears throat> we know we want to make sure people that have been cocooning there for a number of weeks that they can feel very comfortable in their towns. And these are immediate works that can be done. If you making your footpath wider, not actually physically changing the footpath, but with lining, ensuring that, you know, certain parking spaces will be taken away <clears throat> to allow more room for people to walk. Yeah, because are you expecting higher volumes of pedestrians, for example? We're expecting higher volumes of pedestrians. Yeah. Shop, some shops may have, people may have to queue a bit at some, you know. And outside, other, on the, outside on the street, yeah, that's a good point. And, and as we move on, uh, cafes and things will have, might might need more space outdoors. We're mm-hmm. looking at pedestrianisation of some of the streets uh, as a different. And of course, area. it'll be different for every town. That's the yes, idea of having yes, the individual. That, that, that's the idea, rather than the county council coming up with a template for the whole, all of the towns. <clears throat> Anything that's going to be, be done now will be agreed by these town activation uh, committees which, as I say, a majority of the people on that will be local people that are involved, and the Gardaí, obviously, as well. Um, so it'll involve very much the retailers and the people that will be doing the shopping and the, um, the, the the council officials. And, you know, a lot of it might be a few ballots put in, a few obstructions being taken from footpaths, a bit of pedestrianisation brought into some of the streets in our towns. So we'll be looking for, you know, we'll be very much open to suggestions from the public. And some people are coming up with very... Innovative ideas now might cost a lot of money and could take time to do what I mean. I I think we can make a start on making our towns much more pedestrian friendly, much more user friendly, give people more space so that anyone can feel if I want to go into my local town, I'm not going to be crammed up against someone else and I'm going to have to use very narrow footpaths. I'm afraid the car will have to take a bit of a second, uh, um, have to to take second place in in some of the streets, and that's that's I think could be a positive thing. Well, you know, people are getting very used to getting out and about for daily exercise. Maybe we'll all be walking more instead of bringing the car to town. We might decide to go for a stroll and pick up our messages and walk home with them. Perhaps, yeah. Yeah. Well, now pay parking is something that will 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 be put on the long finger for a while as well. Uh, Well, There will be a suspension. Now it has to be a decision made at at full council on that. But um, we found very little pushback from the officials uh, uh, in terms of of suspension of pay parking for a a couple of months and to see how to. You know, I I think you know pay parking is probably run its run its course at this stage. in, in the new type of town we'll have, uh, I, I don't think there might be a place for it. But what we really need is to make sure that people can feel confident, people can feel comfortable, uh, and people feel feel quite looking forward to do, do retail. Now, the other side of it as well <clears throat> is to ensure that the retail sector gets as much support as it possibly can. That's why the local enterprise offices are going to be represented there. Well, that's funny because that was going to be my next question in that don't we all have a role to play in helping our local economy by doing our bit and making sure that we do shop locally? 100%. And I I think people are really focused on that at at the moment. They've seen it's it's the local businesses who have been helping the the vulnerable during this this pandemic. They've, They've really been out there in front and helping and I think it's time for the local community to, to give back a bit to the local businesses now when they get back up and running again. I think, you know, we don't appreciate things maybe until they're gone. And I suppose yeah. we've been able to do a lot of, shop, a lot of our local shops uh, were closed. I think now we maybe appreciate them a little more. So there'll be, <clears throat> there'll be state support there to help them. If they need space on the street, that'll be looked at as well. If they need to put... Um, put some some um, some of their wares out on the street or need to put tables, chairs, that'll be looked at. But I think the big support they need 
is from the public that are living within 20 kilometres of the town. And what we'll be ensuring next week is that uh, these towns will be up, uh, geared up and able to operate with social distancing. And uh, you can feel happy to come in and, and shop in your local town. Has <laughs> the deep cleaning of the town centre, so I was uh, reading about that, has that got underway? On, on, on Monday, I think that's okay. the beginning on Monday. So the pole hoses will be out okay. and the paintbrushes. Um, so the place will be, place will be spruced up. Um, good news, of course, for Bandit is that the work on Monday, as well as beginning on the um, the main sewage scheme that's getting going, that will be got. Yeah, I, 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 I mean, because I, I mentioned outdoor workers and, you know, the building, uh, construction industry is getting back up and running on, on Monday. I'm assuming all the local authority building sites, that includes them, yeah. does it? Th- it they does all? indeed, yeah, yeah. Social housing sites are up with the, the Irish Water um, crew um, um, contractors are moving in on Bandon and... Um, Getting that scheme back up and running because that you know that needs to be got out of the way before we do before Bandon is transformed into a, a fantastic town centre when when all that work can be completed. But in the meantime, you know the, the Bandon will get the power hosing the same as every other town. Okay, okay, all right. So, and I know- and as I say, there'll be interesting proposals on pedestrianisation in both Bandon and Kinsale as well. Okay, as we say, we all have the role to play in getting back out and supporting the local economy, but we equally will all have a role to play when it comes to social distancing, because if we don't all play ball, we'll be back with stricter lockdowns. That's that's the danger, that's the danger. But what we intend to ensure is that all towns will be safe. You'll be able to come in, you'll be able to shop and you will be able to adhere to social, social distancing without any great difficulty, great. we hope. Great, oh great. Okay. And how are you getting on um, with the whole lockdown, Alan? Uh, very good, actually. Yeah. Well, the weather has been good. Um, yeah. uh, less meetings and things like that. So I, I'm, I'm doing a bit of farming, actually, as well. Are you? So, yeah, I'm a captive. I'm a captive worker now because I can't say <laughs> I'm heading off to a meeting every day. There's a, lot like like, there's a lot of men <laughs> getting caught to do jobs that they normally would be. Oh, I've got to go. I have, a, I have an urgent meeting. I, 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 I know every corner of the garden now as well. <laughs> well done. And with the, with the hardware shops and the garden centres opening up on Monday, I'm telling you, there'll yes, be even more work found. That's true. That's true indeed. Yes. Listen, you stay, you stay safe and thanks well, for joining us. Ble- we have been blessed with good weather. We have. Which has helped a lot, you know, for people in fairness. Okay. You know. Listen, thanks for joining us, Alan. Thank you. Bye-bye. Love after yourself. Bye. Uh, bye-bye. That is uh, West Cork uh, Councillor Alan Coleman, 1850-333-103. When we were talking about farmers markets and says Morning Patricia how are farmers markets these are farmers markets opening for Monday how are they going to adhere to social distancing and hand hygiene crowds come to the farmers market in Skibbereen and you can't get around the number of crowds who will be standing at a food stall I don't know how it's going to work how can they how are they allowing them to open in phase one well it's it's the fact that it's outdoor it's any outdoor that's why the garden centres are open Opening up as well. Well, I'm assuming when you go to the farmers markets next week, it's not going to be like it was in the past. They're going to the stallholders themselves. They're going to have to put in some system of social distancing, and it's going to be up to individual members of the public. It's one of the points I made with Adam. We'll all have a role to play in making sure that this all works, and it means it's kind of a little bit like what we're all doing 
automatically now in the supermarkets. I don't know how many times I've been in the supermarkets and I want to get a chicken off the shelf or whatever it is and you stand back and you wait because somebody's already there looking at the meat produce and you wait and when they move out of the way then you move in and, and you pick up what you want and it's going to be the very same with the farmer's market so we will, we'll all have to play ball and I'm sure the stall holders will be putting everything in place to keep their customers as safe as possible because it's a win-win for all of us because if this doesn't work and if Anne as you described there's crowds of people around the food stalls and nobody is adhering to social distancing and everybody's on top of each other all it will take is one person to have COVID-19 and suddenly there's an outbreak from that area and before we know it there'll be more and more cases and we will be back to further lockdown so we all have a role to play in making sure that this works. Uh, th- thank you for your text. And Owen says, Patricia, for towns and cities that you've just been talking about, the reopening of towns and cities, is there a need to make footpaths one way? Whatever direction one is going to walk, only one footpath on the left side of the street. So you'd walk down one way and you'd walk back up. That's not a bad idea. And I'm assuming, Owen, that that's exactly what will be discussed with what Alan described as the town activation at Teams. Thank you for your text to 0862 103 103. Cork today on C103. With Mallow College, now enrolling for courses in September. Plan your future education. See the full range of courses at mallowcollege.ie. Incorrect information or fake news about COVID-19 can be harmful to all of us. False stories about potential treatments or new restrictions only create divisions and distrust. If fake news is shared, it can risk reducing the effectiveness of efforts made so far. It can have real and damaging consequences on all the work being done to stop the spread of the coronavirus. Before you press share, think, is it from a trusted source? Can you fact check the information with the World Health Organization? Is it a joke? Are other sites reporting this? What are their sources. Fake news is out there and it's everybody's job to check and question the information they receive before passing it on to someone else, no matter how well intended it is. Think before you share. Stay safe and stay up to date with all COVID-19 information at c103.ie. Quick text in from a listener saying, hi, I'm texting to the talk show. I'm assuming that's us. Can you tell me, please, are people allowed to travel to their summer houses yet? I have just driven through my small West Cork village and it is full of summer people. And I'm assuming this is somebody who knows all the local people. So it's new people into the area. Is that what you're saying when you're saying it's full of summer people? Well, if they've travelled, they shouldn't be travelling because we're still at the five kilometre restriction. From Monday, we stay at the five kilometres. That doesn't move. The 8th of June, we'll be allowed to travel up to 20 kilometres. 29th of June, it stays on the 20 kilometres. And it's not until the 20th of July that we are allowed to travel outside of our region and beyond the 20 kilometre restriction. So no, people shouldn't be traveling. It's not to say that they haven't and that they're not doing it, but going by the restrictions in place, no, they shouldn't be travelling. OK, we've got to take another break. We have news at uh, 12 midday on the way uh, in the next hour. We're going to be talking about the uncertainty that's facing couples who have either got a wedding booked for later in the summer or are planning to get married this year. Court today on C103. With Mallow College, now enrolling for courses in September. Plan your future education. See the full range of courses at mallowcollege.ie. Hello, this is Eric Griffin. Join me Monday to Friday between 7 and 8 for some great songs on C103 Anthems. 
And then... Hello, this is Declan Nerny here. Hello, this is Sean Keane. Hello, this is Cathy Durkin. Hi, this is Louise Morrissey. Hi, this is Mick Flavin. Hello, this is Daniel O'Donnell here, and you're listening to Country and Irish with Eric Griffin on C103. Don't miss Anthems at 7 and the very best of Country and Irish from 8, right here on C103. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Happy birthday to Eileen Dempsey from Lisa and Marcus and all of the kids. Eileen, hope you're having a lovely, lovely day. And we have received a statement from Meat Industry Ireland. This is in regard to the interview we did in the first hour about the Keepak meat plant in Watergrass Hill. Uh, meat Industry Ireland say in relation to Watergrass Hill Keepak, they say they've implemented wide ranging measures to protect staff and is working closely with the Agriculture Department and the HSE. The measures in the protocols adhere to the recommendations of the authorities. Any incidence of a positive COVID-19 case has immediate follow-up with the HSE at local level. End of uh, statement. So we didn't get much uh, out of that. So I don't know if we're, because people are saying, well, we, and uh, Murphy was making the same point, we don't know the numbers of the people who are testing positive and the bigger worry are the people able to self-isolate and where are they uh, self-isolating? If any more comes in on that story, we will bring it to you. Now, our senior news reporter has been compiling weekly frontline diaries and today's focuses on the work of Feed Cork. Now, before we hear it, uh, Fiona Corcoran uh, joins me. Uh, good morning to Fiona. Good morning, Patricia. And How are you? I'm very well and you're welcome to the programme. Now, feeding the homeless and feeding those in need, that didn't just disappear, did it, because of COVID-19? Uh, no, and in fact, it's actually increased. Um, I was in with Feed Cork during the week and um, they before this pandemic, they had been delivering up to 200 feed ham- or food hampers every week. Um, and now that number has gone up to 300. And I suppose it's a sign of the times in that, you know, with people who are out of work now and who may be relying on the government um, subsidy scheme that they now are able to maybe just barely afford to pay the mortgages that um, they were paying beforehand and they don't have any money now for food. So people who weren't using the service beforehand are now contacting them looking for help. And, um, you know, it's uh, I was in there, Patricia, and it's um, it's remarkable to see the work that the volunteers are doing. And, you know, they're putting their own health at risk every day to come in and and pack up these hampers every day and deliver they're, they're now delivering like before the the center that they have on lower oliver plunkett street was opened once a week for the public okay, we've lost uh fiona there her uh that link has has gone down we'll see if we can get uh, fiona back before we play out uh, the piece um because feed cork they're just a remarkable organization and I, i'm listening to fiona there are people who never needed the help of Feed Cork are suddenly having to go and uh, turn around and say you know I'm every penny that's coming into the house even if it is the 350 euro the COVID-19 uh, payment every bit of it has been used to pay rent and to pay mortgage because people do everything that they possibly can uh, to put a roof uh, over their uh, their heads and we know and we've seen that time and time again in the past the only way that you save the only way some families can save is by uh, they, they scrimp and scrape on food and if you've got children you can't you don't want to let children uh, go uh, hungry okay uh, is Fiona back with us is she back on the line are you back with us Fiona 
No, she's not there. She's back on the phone line. Okay, Fiona's back. See you there, Fiona. Sorry, yeah. we're having some. Yeah, we're having some tech problems uh, this morning. Uh, and social distancing. Does social distancing make their work even harder and more challenging? It does. And when this pandemic broke out and they had to close the doors, they were only allowed to let a certain number of volunteers in, and they were the ones who were coming in every day. They're referred in there as, as the they're referred to as the dream team. Because they were coming in every day to to put to pack up all of these hampers, and you know normally you would have had um, people who would have been delivering food uh, to the centre, and they would have been allowed to come in, and they might have helped out on occasions as well. But all of that had to stop. Now this week they have been able to open the doors slightly more to more volunteers coming in, and obviously I went in um, the other day as well. But there's still. Um, you know, it, it, they are very limited as to the amount of people who can come in. Um, and also, because of social distancing, when they reopen, um, they're not sure uh, what way it's going to operate. Um, they they have a cafe in there as well, Patricia. And, you know, every Wednesday when people go in to collect their parcels, they can go in and sit down and have a cup of coffee. And it's a social outing for people as well. Um, so they were saying that um, because of everything that goes on in there, they may have to open it up five days a week and just let a small number of people in every day. And they've had to, um, they have a set of offices that are just off the main space and they've had to close them up as offices and rip out walls and they're renovating the whole area now to allow extra space for social distancing and for, for storage. So there's a lot of work going on there at the minute to try and help them reopen later on in the year. Um, they've also they're all wearing face masks and face shields and they've had to wear, and, and gloves and you know that's a key part of the of what they wear every day going into work now. Um, and because they're they're delivering, obviously volunteers are are um, out of the centre and they're trying to uh, deliver. I think they have about twelve or thirteen routes um, that they they operate now. So they were saying that um, that the drive through that they have on a Thursday, they'd like to maybe extend that a little bit so people who have cars come in just to free up some of the volunteers um, from, from doing deliveries and that they can come in and, 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 and do these parcels. And remember, these are, you know, they're all volunteers. Nobody's getting paid to do any of this work. Yeah, that's right. Um, you know, um, and we often hear of, when we hear of frontline workers, we automatically think of those who are working in healthcare facilities like hospitals and nursing homes. But there are thousands of volunteers, not just in Free Corp, but in organisations all over the city and county who are helping out every day and putting their, their themselves at risk. Um, and they're not getting paid for it. And yeah. I did ask uh, the coordinator in there, the volunteer coordinator, Sharon Mullins, about that. She said, you know, to, to do that kind of voluntary work, it's something that's in you. It's something that you really want to do. And... They're coming in every day and, and they're just getting stuck in. And, Fantastic. You know, they're, they're and, and how, I, I mean, all charities are financially crippled because all fundraising mm-hmm. events have, have all ceased. I mean, how how's Feed Cork getting on from a funding point of view? So they have donations of food um, by Food Cloud. Food Cloud sends them the bulk of their, the stuff that they're giving out. But they're also getting uh, donate, food donations from um, local cafes and restaurants that are still operating. Now, obviously, that has gone down a good bit as well because we don't have the same number of uh, outlets, but um, there are some people who are still donating stuff. And 
There's a catering company in Cork that are delivering meals to them as well. So along with the weekly food hamper, they're also able to give out a, a hot meal like a chicken curry or a lasagna or something every week as well. Um, and they uh, they were saying to me that they've obviously had to purchase a lot of PPE um, and they will have to purchase all the PPE and the hand sanitizers and stuff like that as well. So that's going to be an expense on them as well, quite a significant expense. Um, so they're just relying on our support from the public and yeah, it'd be great. It'd be great if someone could come up and donate the PPE gear uh, to I them, know, so that yeah. they could keep their money for what they fundraise it for to to feed Cork. Okay, listen, uh, we're going to play out your diary uh, today. Thank you for that, Fiona. Have a good week. Thank you. And uh, we'll talk. Don't worry. Don't Sorry. worry. <laughs> I know, she's child. You're, chi- you're feeding. A, I'm told you're feeding a child at the same time. Do you know something? You're a complete pro, Fiona Cork, and a complete pro. Stay safe. We'll talk next week. Bye bye. That is bye bye, Fiona Cork along with the child our senior news reporter and here is uh, Fiona's Frontline Diary well, The doors at Feed Cork on Lower Oliver Plunkett Street are now closed to the public The warmth and friendliness remains but the atmosphere now is very different The buzz is still here we still have the, the banter and the warmth and all of that but it is totally different you know you don't get to see uh, the people every week that you normally get to see. That's Director Hamp Sermons who explains how the service is now operating. We do deliveries on Tuesday and Wednesdays. We have a number that people can call uh, if they want a basket. We also have a Thursday drive through where people can come up by appointment to the front door. They don't even get out of their car. They pull up, they pop the boot, we put the food in for them and then they head away. So. That's been working really well. The number of food hampers being given out every week has risen from 200 before the pandemic to 300 and growing. A core group of volunteers are responsible for packing, loading and delivering those hampers, affectionately known here as the Dream Team. One of them is Liam Fitzgerald. It's awkward, but at least we're getting to the people that need it. And that's the important thing, to be honest. Especially now, it's, it's, it's getting bigger by the week. You know, it's going up maybe 10, 20% by week. But, you know, if that's what needs to be done, we're going to make sure that we can try to do our best, you know, to help them out. And coordinating all the volunteers is Sharon Mullins. So this is the first week that we've introduced more volunteers back in. Again, trying to adhere to all the social distancing and all the HSE regulations. And uh, it is, it's a challenge, like, and I, that's the same for everybody, you know, but like, this is the way we're going to be living our lives, I think, going forward, so. I asked Sharon what drives a volunteer to put their own health at risk when they're not getting paid. I suppose if it's in, yeah, you know what I mean, if you want to give back, you just give back. And I think really once, once we make sure that we have everything provided for them, they have a sense of confidence when they're coming in then because they have everything that they should have. Liam, who started volunteering with Feed Cork 16 months ago, explains what he loves about the place and what gets them through each day. Just a bit of banter between ourselves, you know, it's like anywhere else, you know, the slagging starts when you come in and it finishes when you go home and then we have a WhatsApp group and they're at it again at that, you know, so it's it's really great. You know. Feed Cork are supported by Food Cloud and local vendors who continue to donate food throughout the current crisis. So people are really pulling together and that's the one thing you do see this time, people are really pulling together. And when does Hamp think they'll get back to normal? It'll be a slower process going back, uh, but we will have people back in again. 
you know, probably by the end of the year anyway, on a more, we might have to do a five-day thing instead of a one- or two-day thing that we were doing before so we can spread it out and people can come in and enjoy the cafe because that's a big part of what we do. We're more than a food bank that way. Uh, so, yeah, I don't know when it's going to happen, hopefully sooner rather than later, but we'll be ready for, for that. Okay, and thanks to uh, our Fiona Corcoran there with her Frontline Diary. And can we thank all of the volunteers involved with uh, Feed Cork? They are just an amazing bunch of uh, people. And uh, unfortunately, their work is going to continue for many, many dare I say months and years to come so any support that you can give to Feed Cork uh, please uh, do Uh, Talking of food, we mentioned eggs during the week and somebody was saying about why there was a shortage of eggs and we were explaining that there was a bird flu, avian bird flu in the Monaghan area and that a lot of the egg producing plants in Monaghan were just, there had to be a cull on all of the hens and because of that there's a shortage of eggs and we're now importing a lot more eggs than we would have been before this avian bird flu breakout. John said people need to watch out when they're buying eggs because he said he was buying eggs in the supermarket this week and the packaging said local eggs. That was obviously the name of the eggs, local eggs. But when he got the eggs home, each of the individual eggs, of course, are all stamped now to tell you where your egg came from and what kind of an egg it is. It uh, it says UK. He felt he got duped into buying the eggs because he thought they were local eggs. And then Caroline got on to us about eggs and she says the best place to buy your eggs is to track them down in a local corner shop or some local shop uh, because she said you're guaranteed that your eggs are local uh, and that's exactly what she does. She's obviously contacting us from West Cork. She said uh, Upton Eggs in uh, West Cork. They supply eggs to a lot of small shops and you can be guaranteed then that your eggs are not just Irish but they're also locally produced eggs. And then we had a call in about an ice cream van. Has anybody else noticed this? Quick call about an ice cream van. An ice cream van comes into our street every day, evening. About 12 children and adults will all rush around the van. There's absolutely no social distancing. The person giving out the ice cream never changes gloves. Should they be working at the moment? Fran is wondering about that. I haven't because normally in my area there's no one in the house now. We don't rush out to the ice cream van but you normally hear it, you know, on the tune that they play. I haven't heard the ice cream van I think since lockdown. I thought they were all gone so I'm surprised to hear that. As I say I don't know where Fran is messaging us or calling us from but has anybody else noticed ice cream vans and that there isn't proper social distancing I mean I don't see anything wrong with the ice cream van but I don't like the idea of 12 you know children and adults all gathered around the ice cream van you could do it but you could do it with social distancing but again that's up to everybody individual choice isn't it everybody needs to step up and play their part we all need to get into the two metres and you need to be telling your children you need to step back you wait until somebody gets their ice cream then the next person moves in and gets uh, their ice cream uh, by the way there is going to be thank you by the way Fran for that there's going to be overnight road works recommencing in McCroom resurfacing work will resume on the N22 that's at New Street in McCroom from next Monday as we know when we're speaking with Councillor Alan Coleman a lot of the council jobs are back up and running from next Monday so from next Monday 18th through to May the 29th it's nighttime resurfacing from 7pm until 7am and a stop go system will be in operation that's at New Street in uh, McCroom glad to give that a mention Chris on Twitter is complaining about dumping that's going on he said dumping has been a problem for residents of Ashdale in Dunanore in Cantork for years but he says there is a certain 
person and do I assume Chris you know who this certain person is who is constantly dumping ashes from the fire melted plastics and wine bottles Councillor Little wardens have been informed but no steps have been taken uh, to stop it maybe perhaps the person listening knows who they are are you dumping fire ashes melted plastic obviously has been burnt in the grate in the fire is it which is a really dangerous and a stupid thing to be doing we you stop dumping uh, your litter and Trish was on, wants to know about the respite, the carers grant, when is that due to be paid? The carers support grant, affectionately known as the respite grant, that gets paid at the start of June. It's €1,700 and it's usually paid around the first Thursday in uh, June for every person that you are caring for and of course if you're caring for two you get double the amount and it is not taxable. So the first week in June Trish you can expect because I'm assuming you're waiting to get it first week in June uh, it will be uh, paid out. 1850 333 103 lines open. Court today on C103 with Mallow College now enrolling for courses in September. Plan your future education. See the full range of courses at mallowcollege.ie With so many social events forced to cancel due to COVID-19. Many couples are now facing the dilemma of whether or not to cancel summer and autumn weddings. So to chat to us about the uncertainty facing these future brides and grooms, I'm joined by Nicholas Bukovic of weddingsonline.ie. Good morning to you, Nicholas. Good morning, Patricia. Thanks very much for for having me. Well, you're welcome to the programme. Now, the government roadmap says that weddings can take place from July 20th, that's phase four, with restrictions loosened further in phase five, which will be on August the 10th. But have we any idea on the numbers that a bride and groom can invite to their weddings? That is exactly the the problem, Patricia, that, uh, that all these couples have. We don't have that clarity. If you look at the roadmap of the government, it says, as you stated, that from the 20th of July, smaller weddings are possible. But what is a smaller wedding? Is it 20 people? Is it 50 people? Is it 100 people? They don't know. They don't say it. And that makes it very, very tough for couples to make a decision. And then in phase five, you mentioned it as well, uh, we have bigger weddings, uh, larger social gatherings, as they term it, from the 10th of August with restrictions. But again, we don't have numbers. Is there 200 people? Is it 150? So if I have my wedding booked for the end of August, I don't really know what will be possible. So we are really at WeddingsOnline.ie, we are pressing the government for clarity for couples, but also for venues and suppliers. Like we've seen, venues and suppliers have done an amazing job trying to accommodate couples, you know, find alternative dates, try to, you know, give them options. But it's very, very hard in the current uh, situation when we don't have this clarity, which is really needed for couples to make a decision. And with pubs not officially opening until August the 10th, would that mean that any wedding, that even that small wedding that you could have from July 20th up to August 10th, would that mean no alcohol could be served at the wedding in July? Well, it depends, uh, again, what exactly uh, hotels will be allowed to do. If pubs stay closed, it, it's very likely or possible that hotel bars will be closed as well. Now, we don't know, but that is possible. So what you might find is uh, that couples will be served at the table, wine might be served at the table, or drinks to the table, but you won't uh, possibly have people being able to go and get their drink uh, at the bar. So again, we don't know. Yeah, And in a way, we understand, obviously, the government, they, they, they don't know themselves how things develop, but this lack of clarity... What it would be possible, you know, party-wise, you know, after the, the meal is over, it's very, very hard to know. But as you mentioned, like, it's, it's quite likely restrictions will stay in place 
for a while and that obviously affects uh, the wedding. How much is the wedding industry worth to the Irish economy, do you reckon? It's, it's huge, Patricia. It's over a billion euro. Like you have to say, I, I'm not a, a local. <laughs> you can hear my, yeah. my accent. I'm from Austria. But I have to say, Ireland, I think we are the best country here here for weddings. Like, yeah. it's, it's huge. Uh, and, and really, we have such a high standard. And people are happy to spend, the average spend on, on a wedding is about uh, €24,000 uh, by the couple. And then you have, obviously, the guest spending. So the overall worth uh, to, to the economy is about €1.4 billion. Euro. So it's, it's a big, big Goodness. amount. So even from an economic point of view, it's very, very important you know, to get clarity, get, get the show back on the road, if I can say that. Um, and also have obviously clarity for couples. And Nicholas, the couples that have who have already been forced to cancel, have they just set a date for 2021? Have they just pushed it out to next year? A lot of couples initially, when you know the restrictions came uh, into force in March, a lot of couples pushed their wedding out one, two, or three months. You know, into August, September, October, later in the year. But now we had a bit of second wave. Uh, a lot of couples said, with the lack of clarity. I want to be on the safe side and I move it out further. So you have a lot of weddings uh, from, you know, the rest of this year have been pushed out to 2021, some even to 2022. So you will have a, a greatly reduced number of weddings, but some are still holding on to dates. And you know what? In a way, you can't blame them mm-hmm. because nobody has said no to them yet. But a lot of people have moved them. So we will probably have the best years for weddings ever in 2021 and 2022 because a lot of couples choose uh, kind of uh, to be on the safe side. It's, it's a tough one for couples. It's not just about them. It's about letting their guests know. You know, they have to make travel plans. So that's why um, in, in conjunction with their venues and suppliers, and I can't stress this uh, often enough, like when it's a big strain on venues and suppliers, they have to find alternative dates and they're really going above and beyond to accommodate couples. Because if I book my wedding for next year, if I change it, I don't just have to find a date with the venue. I have to, I want to get all my suppliers yeah, along, yeah, you know, the photographer, yeah. the band, uh, the, the And the I'm, I'm assuming 2021 is really filling up and you know the popular days are the Friday and the Saturday yeah. I'm assuming you there isn't a venue with a Friday or a Saturday free it's going to be very 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 busy and uh, you will find a lot of venues are now offering uh, uh, midweek dates and couples okay. are happily taking them because as you as you mentioned Patricia like Fridays and Saturdays are booked out and it's not just venues like you have other events as well that are being pushed yeah. out in 2021 yeah. so we'll we'll have a very very Busy year for for gatherings, but again, like uh, we have midweek midweek uh, weddings uh, more than ever, you know, and and, uh, and and in months that mightn't be so popular. Usually, the most popular months will be uh, July, August, September. But now we will have weddings all over, you know, the, the whole year round. Throughout, yeah. Somebody says uh, hi. Uh, would a wedding on the eighth of August? Does Nicholas think that that will go ahead? Obviously, this is a bride who's holding out the eighth of October. Eighth yeah. of October. Yeah. yeah, again, to be honest, if it's, it depends on the wedding. If it's a smaller wedding, this is just, I can only guess here, you know, because obviously things are moving uh, on a constant basis. But it depends on the number. If it's a smaller wedding and, and social distancing will be possible, you know, people not can sit, you know, comfortably at the table, but not too close. Then, uh, you know, it will be possible. I mean, again, evening entertainment might be affected, you know, uh, band, DJ. Um, uh, but again, we don't know. So it's a tough decision for this couple. But I think if it's a smaller wedding, um, yeah, I would. Sure, you, you, could be, you could be okay. And let's be honest, social distancing is going to be with us for 
certainly the rest of this year and into 2021. I mean, the way we have weddings, there are it's going to change I mean that lovely event that always happens when the bride and groom get married and they walk if it's a church or the venue they walk out and then everybody files out and the hugs and the kisses that's gone we definitely won't be doing that this year or next year um, I think in the in the next couple of months um, uh, that is probably it's not going to happen like yeah. that I think to be honest Patricia we will get back to that and well, again it's, it's very hard to predict you know in, in, the, in the long run to be honest if treatments are being found if uh, you know, we find a way to test and trace and really isolate the ones uh, that, that have the virus, then I think we will be able, even with the social gatherings, to go back quicker than we might think now to, to you know, having these things. But I think we will, for the foreseeable uh, future, ha- and this is not just affecting weddings, so- social distancing is part everything. Of, it, yeah. um, of everything. It will affect events like weddings. But again, I'm hopeful. Like things are changing fast. The whole world is looking for treatments. They having, you know, there's progress being made. Um, I mean, the, the vaccine won't be around too quickly. But um, to be honest, and people, I think we've always been great in, in finding ways, uh, you know, to 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 make the most out of difficult situations. Yeah. So weddings might change for the next couple of months. Uh, but um, but yeah, look, there's opportunities for new things, and and I, I'd, I'd be optimistic. We, we, we will take that optimism we <laughs> grasp onto any bit of optimism we can get Nicholas um, a text in uh, your piece on weddings online says a listener the issue has been devastating for the suppliers and workers in the industry many of whom yeah. are seasonal workers we don't have any safety yeah. net and we've found our livelihoods have just literally gone overnight yeah, yeah uh, it's, it's very very tough like these people they are working hard 24-7, you know, they are self-employed, they've started their own fantastic businesses and now all of a sudden everything has stopped, you know, for them. Um, and that is very, very tough. Like we launched it because because we are aware of this and we, we see this every day dealing with our brilliant suppliers and, and venues. There's such a, a need for clarity and perspective. That's why we launched a petition uh, last week, you know, uh, urging the government for a perspective. And this has, this has taken off huge, like we had four, over 4,500 uh, signatures in in just uh, five days. Wow. So this just shows there's such a, a need. And you know what? These are brilliant people uh, with amazing skills. Again, I cannot cannot stress it uh, often enough. We have such an amazing hospitality industry, and you know these people deserve clarity. And and we can only hope, really. But at the same time, we appreciate it. it's a tough job for the government. But um, but uh, their livelihoods are at stake. Um, and we need to make sure, you know, they can get out of this. And Nicholas, are couples out of pocket by cancelling their weddings? Um, do you mean that... Um, are they, they losing out on money on deposits and stuff or are they um, getting refunds? The, the way it works is most couples, fortunately, have been able to work out a postponement. So they didn't have to cancel with their suppliers or venues. They could just move the date out. Okay. And in that case, what uh, works for the vast majority is uh, the, the deposit stays in place with the supplier who has, uh, you know, kindly secured a second date uh, for the following year. Um, and, uh, and so there has been no need for big financial changes, you know. Um, and then if there has been cancellations where a supplier can't make it, it really depends on the, on the contract and what has been arranged. So it's hard to say. But in the vast majority of cases, it's not a, big, a problem. Suppliers are really, really very flexible to accommodate couples, find a new date, and then, you know, the couples are Brilliant. delighted to leave the deposit and because they, they, they've chosen their supplies for good reason. You know, they want them for their wedding. So it's really in everybody's interest to make this work. Another question for Nicholas. Does Nicholas worry that some wedding suppliers may not survive? Oh. Uh, 
Uh, absolutely. Like, I mean, in the current situation, like uh, weddings are not happening. Uh, these people are, you know, they're, they're, they're not, uh, they're, they're working very hard and often not making huge amounts of money. So if, if their income is gone, you know, and the opportunity to make money, I'd be, I'd be very worried. Um, like, again, I think the government has, has stepped in uh, boldly and is helping with the, 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 the unemployment payment, the pandemic unemployment payment. But uh, in the long run, you know, we need to, I would be, would be worried. And that's why we hope uh, and we ask for, for clarity, for perspective, so people can at least plan, make a plan for, for, for the next couple of months. Okay, and I was on you. I was on your website yesterday. You're like, you're kind of like a one-stop shop for weddings. Yes. Yeah, it's terrific. It's, yeah, no, it's, weddings online. It's kind of it's the one big platform, online platform that couples use. You know, when they look for for ideas for the wedding, for venues and suppliers, and and we've created a great network there, like with uh, also on, on our social media channels where couples can interact with suppliers. You know, see what they do, and it's all very personal. You know, it's a big day. You want to get the right one, yeah. And we yeah. have such amazing suppliers, so it's really the place where where you find everything for your wedding. And how long have you been living here in Ireland, having moved from Austria? <laughs> yes, I, I came over uh, twenty two years ago oh. as an Erasmus student. Met the girl from from Limerick, <laughs> um, and uh, and uh, we've been living here for the last ten years. So, okay. so well, a great country to be in. Well done, well done. And how is Austria doing in the, in with the COVID-19? Yeah. They have been hit hard, Patricia, because they're close to Italy, so they got a lot of cases from Italy, but they yeah. locked down early um, and, and really uh, suppressed the virus successfully, and they have actually opened up uh, quite a lot already for, for the last two weeks, and, and cases like shops have opened, uh, restrictions have been eased, um, and so far the virus hasn't really come back Brilliant. Uh, strongly Brilliant. which is encouraging for us to see here it is it is hope. and that's what we're doing we're looking to the other countries that, that are ahead of us so we'll take hope from that listen exactly. um, uh, Nicholas it was a real pleasure talking to you thank you for that thank and you, uh, stay safe and thanks for joining us you too thank you good morning to you bye bye that is uh, Nicholas Bukovich Bukovic who is with weddingsonline.ie and you can go to Weddings Online if you want to sign that petition they're petitioning the government it's, it's on a change.org petition just to say, look, for the couples, for the sake of the couples, please just give us some clarity. Court today on C103. With Mallow College, now enrolling for courses in September. Plan your future education. See the full range of courses at mallowcollege.ie. Nick Richards plays Cork's greatest hits for your workday on C103. Sting and the police. There's only one radio station and my song is on the radio. The Daily Brain Twister. Good afternoon. Um, answer to the tickler. The, the tickler. Whoa. Uh, whatever you call it. <laughs> Annie Lennox. Oh, thank you. I'm so thrilled. Family man Rod Stewart. All my kids and there's eight of them are all doing great. Playing Cork's greatest hits while you work. Nick Richards. Weekdays from 1. C103. Cork today on C103. Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment. 086 Now it's always lovely when we get calls or texts in asking us to find out how Anne Hurley from Charleville is getting on as she continues to battle with her ovarian cancer diagnosis. So I'm thrilled to say Anne Hurley joins me today. Good morning to you Anne. Good morning Patricia. How are you? I'm, I'm, I'm doing well and I was only thinking of you last week because May 8th uh, was World Ovarian it Cancer was. Day and I know that's something you feel quite strongly about in educating the public about this horrendous disease. Yes, exactly, exactly, because as you know, they call it the silent killer and I think it became known as the silent killer not only because of the symptoms, because nobody was talking about it. Yeah. 
and it's just I have you have to put it out there the signs and symptoms and I mean GPs now for the last two years it has been uh, issued there's a protocol that they have to follow if uh, a woman goes in and thinks she may have symptoms of ovarian cancer so that's a brilliant bonus Great. And but would you worry because we know and we've spoken about it here on this programme, people are not going to their GP, they're not presenting with symptoms? Yeah, at the moment it's very difficult for them because I do get private messages from people and um it is very because a lot of screening, etc. has been cancelled due, due to the COVID mm. and they're asking me signs and symptoms. So um it's very difficult to see GP. Uh, screening is cancelled as far as I know. I'm aware of most cancers. And um, some of the, the women are afraid to face the idea of them having ovarian cancer or any gynecological cancer. And the earlier you get in, the better the outcome. Yes. yes yeah. So, yes. I saw you on Facebook with fundraising efforts for Marymount Hospice. Tell me what you got up to last week. <laughs> yes. You see... When you, when I was cocooning and sitting down in my sofa doing nothing, just watching TV, Nicola Sturgeon and all the rest of them around the world, Donald Trump, if I wanted a bit of life, light relief, <laughs> and I felt great. And I said, right, I'll start raising funds for Marymount because they need 3.5 million to keep going during the year with um, charitable donations. So I decided I'd do three jogs up and down my drive every day, Monday to Friday, uh, at two o'clock to raise funds for Marymount because I felt brilliant. I was doing nothing. I was just sitting down. It was like as if I never had cancer at all. And then I did it on the Monday, my three jogs. My son was roaring left and when he saw it on um, Facebook that night, he said, you barely made the third go of it. So he said, I was roaring left and watching you. But that night, Monday night, my whole system broke down. You overdid it. I overdid it. I couldn't figure out. The whole system broke down. So uh, my palliative care team from Marymount, they're in contact every week and they rang me the following day and I told them what I did and they weren't at all happy about it, to put it politely. <laughs> I should have got medical advice first. Oh, <laughs> so, I mean, I was explaining that I had such a bad night. I had to take high doses of morphine. I was getting sick, etc., etc. So they said, look, try and walk it only if you're able so that's what I did for the following week. I walked up and down the drive just no, once. Some woman. And I raised... Any, anyone else would have just got back into the seat and said, oh, just, look, I gave it a try, I can't do it, but not Iran. No, I'm very headstrong, you see, mm. Patricia. <laughs> but I did it anyway. I raised a thousand euros for Mary. Well done, well done. And I was, you know, it was an accomplishment and I was delighted. And it got me out of bed because I wasn't getting out of bed till about quarter to three, half to quarter to three on a daily basis. So it's yeah, it forced you to get out. And the yes. weather's been great and all of that. And you've been a patient of Marymount since uh, 2015. Yes. But un- un- sadly and unfortunately, your wonderful dad is now also a patient of Marymount. He is. They got two for the price of one. That's what we keep saying to each other. He was diagnosed about two weeks prior to shutdown that she had pancreatic cancer. Oh, bless. And how's he doing, Anne? He's doing well. He started... Um, his chemo during lockdown, we were afraid in case that would be cancelled. But no, and they moved the chemo unit out to uh, Brookville campus. Yeah. And uh, he's delighted with that. So he's gone up for his fourth chemo today, I think. Okay. Um, it's very difficult for him to be living on his own. 
and having to get a diagnosis like that and we could you know the way you want to put your arms around him and say you're going to be fine and you know uh, it's a, a big diagnosis to get at the best of times but uh, can't do it now my sister is very good and um, she isolates herself and comes down and tries to do it because he's on loads of medication and he's 83 and he, w- he was only in hospital, I think, we were making out, he made it out 13 days in 83 years and most of those 13 days were when, when he was 11 for his appendix. Oh my gosh, what a man. So very he's been healthy man. Very no, healthy. Very healthy. So he's cocooning and obviously you're cocooning and that's hard, isn't it? Very difficult, very difficult. Now, I do go downtown maybe once a week down to the chemist because sometimes I have to explain and they have to explain medicine and things like that. Yeah. And it was brilliant for the first few weeks of shutdown. You wouldn't see one person downtown. But then I noticed before the restrictions were even lifted that it was getting uh, busier to cross the road. There was more people around the place, uh, less people wearing masks and become busier and busier as the weeks have gone on. And that's putting you at risk. Yep, yep. And putting mm. themselves at risk. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's putting them at risk and everybody else at risk and this is going to be with us a long, long time. And I know you're anxious to get to a garden centre. I got there yesterday. <laughs> I got I I was looking for strawberry plants because I find them very expensive in the supermarket if I was to make jam. <laughs> they are. Would, they are from a jam would, making, yeah. absolutely, yeah. It would cost me 50 to 60 euros to make about six pots of yeah. jam. So I said, no. <laughs> you know, I grow me on. <laughs> yeah, so um, a wonderful farm, uh, Apple Farm in Care County Tipperary sent me a surprise of 12 strawberry plants. Brilliant, yesterday. brilliant. And um, another garden, Hennessy's Garden Centre, click and clicked. So I collected some there yesterday and uh, delighted. I was champing at the bit trying to go in and look at the flowers and the plants, but of course it wasn't officially opened yet. Well, if, I mean, I wouldn't be saying go next week because it's going to be very busy next week, but maybe if you could get a quiet time. Yeah. Would you, yeah. Would you, will, will you think about going to one? Oh yeah, because do you know what? It lifts your spirit. It does. Just it, to get the scent of the flowers alone and looking at the colours, it lifts the spirit. And are you, are you, are you enjoy gardening or is it PJ's the gardener or what? Well, we kind of, it ha- happened, we don't know how it happened, but he took care of the outdoors and I took care yeah, of the, the indoors. Yeah, a lot of people, a lot of people <laughs> would identify with that. Yeah. yeah. And come here, not seeing the grandchildren. You're very close to your grandkids. I am, but you know, we're lucky because there are only two doors up. Yeah. And they used to come to the end of the drive and we'd have a grand little shouting match. Great. From, you know. And they've become, they're coming closer now to the house. I think we're all becoming... A bit complacent. Yes. <laughs> but as well as that, they have not been in a shop or anything since this thing started. Yeah, so you, you know day. you yeah, know they're safe. Yeah, yeah there's no yeah. other kids up around here. So they've yeah. been their day in their garden. And so I know they're safe. Yeah, yeah. And you know you can, yeah. yeah. And when it's all, lockdown is all over and done, what do you most want to do? Oh, I want to be able to... Well, I want to be able to go down to a seaside and have the walk in the sand. I want to be able to have freedom to get up in the morning and say, we'll go here or we'll go there for a walk, go out for a cup of coffee. I can't wait to be able to go out for a cup of coffee down to the forge 
or uh, the coffee bean or goths for my bowl of soup cannot wait for those days to yeah. Yeah, they're, they're, they're small, they're the smallest of things that we're missing, isn't it? Isn't it amazing? It isn't the big trips abroad no. or it isn't the big no. fancy night out where you get all dolled up. It's those small things, that cup of coffee, that bowl of soup. Yeah. I think, you know what, in a way we needed a wake up call. Yeah. We were all plodding along, taking things for granted, taking every day for granted. I think most kids now are benefiting out of this because they have mammy and daddy at home. Yeah. Um, so there seems to be less stress on many people, not on a lot, of, not on every person, but on many people. And a lot of us needed a wake-up call. Call. We did seriously yeah. need a wake-up call. And I think this is going to go forward. Businesses in Ireland will have to start planning to make enough PPE. Uh, that's how they can... I mean, there'll be innovative ideas out of this. Yeah, yeah. And you, you know. can already see it. You can, you can already see how, how, how people are changing. And then, you, I mean, you're not obviously getting to hospital appointments. Are you doing virtual? No, they're all... They're, they're phoning you. Okay. And, what, what, and what are they saying, Jan? Well, my oncologist rings me every four weeks. Okay. And how are you? I'm fine. And I get my bloods done here and he gets the results in Cork. Brilliant. And uh, he has me warned to stay away from hospitals or clinics. So I'm doing that. And bloods are good for the last uh, four weeks anyway, which is good. And my gynae oncologist rings me and my GP. So the, And the same with that. And the palliative care team ring me every week as well. I was due to go into Marymount pre-COVID, pre their lockdown, to the pain clinic to get a pain block in my spine. Because unfortunately, the treatment I'm on, um, it has caused the gel between the discs to disappear in other words so it is bone against bone now or bone against nerve in the spine oh, yeah uh, okay. so the pain of that now is and and you took off jogging down your driveway your ch- yeah I know but sure I thought it was great uh, listen we'll keep in regular contact uh, with you but we just wanted to have you on because a lot of people thinking about you and I already see texts coming in saying what a wonderful inspirational lady long may she continue we'll talk again um, okay, you all take safe now all the listeners and you mind right. yourself too right, God bless bye bye the wonderful okay. Anne Hurley Cork Today on C103 with Mallow College now enrolling for courses in September plan your future education. See the full range of courses at mallowcollege.ie Everyone's daily routine has been affected by COVID-19. It can be tricky, but it's more important than ever to look after our general health. Eating well is a huge part of that. It can be hard to know when to eat, what to eat, and how much to eat at the moment. So try to keep to regular times for three meals and two to three snack breaks a day. Setting an alarm on your phone for the first few days to remind you will help. Whatever your circumstances, what's for dinner can be a daily challenge. Planning meals for the week can make this easier and help you make healthier food choices. The food pyramid is always a good guide and make sure to drink plenty of water. Keeping hydrated is so important. Stay safe and stay up to date with all COVID-19 information at c103.ie. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Now before I get to some of your texts and calls coming into the programme, a quick mention as we were talking with the lovely Anne Hurley 
in the last hour and Anne was making the point that she was doing a little bit of fundraising and raised over a thousand euro for Marymount Hospice but what a terrific and an amazing woman uh, that she is and actually thank you to a lot of texts in including Anthony saying lovely to hear Anne Hurley on the programme what a lovely uh, lady delighted to hear her on the radio send her on hugs please and someone else says fair dues to that lady Anne Hurley she is an inspiration for all of us absolutely and then hi to Lucy in West Cork says lovely to hear Anne talking today on the programme as a fellow ovarian cancer patient I've just finished radiotherapy and we'll be starting back on chemo next week it's great how they're keeping people away from unnecessary clinics etc I had a good bit of fear about appointments at the start but they were all so well managed I now feel very safe I even have had to have emergency surgery that was about six weeks ago right in the middle of the lockdown but everything went so well and was so well managed I've never had to feel any extra worry and undue worry because of the coronavirus well done to the doctors and nurses who are doing great work and that's from Lucy in West Cork good health uh, to you uh, Lucy and it's uh, it's tough enough for people living through a pandemic without trying to battle and, and dealing with cancer and cancer treatment so we wish you a good health and thank you for your WhatsApp to 0862103103 and when we mentioned that Anne was doing her fundraising for Marymount Hospice. I've had an email in to say that the debut DVD by Butterfield native and leader of the Chandram Cayley Band, Alan Finn, who we only spoke with a couple of weeks ago, a couple of months ago maybe on the programme, is available now and this has been sold uh, with proceeds going to Marymount Hospice. So the DVD from Alan Finn of the Chandram Cayley Band is available as we speak from Centra in Butterfield, Centra in Charleville, Supervalue in Charleville, the shops in Fremont and the shops in uh, Newtown. They will be available in Hurley Centra in Mallow from next Monday. They're also available from Rosari Buckley from Pat O'Hara in Charleville or indeed if you know Alan Finn himself you can contact him directly and all funds raised in the sale of the DVD going to Marymount uh, Hospice. So uh, well done. A lot of people will be big fans of Alan uh, Finn and so I think a lot of people would like to get their hands on that uh, DVD but knowing that you're buying it with proceeds going to Marymount Hospice makes it even more special. So good luck to Alan with that DVD on sale today from all of those outlets. And here's one I thought I'd never see but somebody said web scammers are upping their game. This is the first Irish language offer of money I've seen and unfortunately my Irish isn't good enough to translate it but it is, it's a text message from somebody and they're looking for the the one thing I can make out is 5.5 US dollars in the middle of it in your bank. Um, But unreal, isn't it? Unreal that somebody has gone to now I'd need to, I'll get John Paul to take a look at this and see if we can put it up on one of our social media sites. It would be interesting to get somebody a fluent Irish speaker to see is the grammar correct is because you know the way with a lot of those scammers you know English isn't their first language and usually when you're reading the text or reading the email you can straight away see that this was done through like a Google Translate or something like that so it would be interesting to get somebody to cast an eye over it just to see 
was it I, I don't in any way think it was a native Irish speaker put, put that together but they definitely are upping their game if they are now changing and deciding that they'll send out scams us Gwelga Porik in Glamour says Patricia could you remind people to use sunblock in particular on children now that they're all at home and, and the weather is getting good yeah, and particularly next week if we're talking about looking forward to the idea of the weather getting better and a little bit of a heat wave and temperatures in the low 20s you certainly would need sunscreen on for that so thank you Porik I should have said that that when I was talking about a heatwave for sure. Hi Patricia, what is wrong with the people in the English government? When Brexit was the main topic of discussion, it wasn't long before Boris was making a war out of it and talking about being in war-like mode. Now he's at it again and he's driving the people mad and he's talking about coronavirus. It's all about we are at war. What is all this war talk that he goes on with? He's a little like, he's becoming a little bit like Donald Trump ranting and uh, raving. And I'm not reading out why you think Donald Trump is ranting and uh, raving. But thank you for your text 0862 103 103. Pat is reacting to the interview we did with WeddingsOnline.ie who are, they've started an online petition because they are looking for, and couples are looking for clarity about weddings. We know we have this roadmap to the opening up of the country, but some of it is a little bit vague in that we know that from the 20th of July, small social gatherings can take place. And we know from the 10th of August, larger social gatherings can take place. But nobody knows what's, how you define a small social gathering. How do you define a large social gathering? And therefore, it's very hard to book a wedding for 50 people, 100 people, 200 people, if you don't know for sure that the guidelines are going to be in place allowing you to have a social event of that size. Because I think the worst thing that could possibly happen for a couple, if they have a wedding and say they've already invited 200 people and suddenly it's decided by Neffet and the government that the social gatherings can't be over, say, 100 people. And you've got to go back to 100 of your guests and say you haven't made the cut. I mean, that would be just disastrous, I think, for a lot of couples. So they want a little bit of certainty and that's why they've started this petition online. If you go to weddingsonline.ie, you can sign the petition if you would like more certainty or clarity. Well, Pat is taking, is kind of annoyed by that. He said, what are people on about? That they want clarity, that they want certainty. There isn't a cure so there isn't any clarity, says Pat. So Pat feels you shouldn't be organising anything until we either have a cure or would you say a vaccine, Pat? Would you say we'd have clarity once we have a vaccine? And then some Tim in, thank you for your text. Tim in Limerick uh, is on about the meat workers when we were talking about the meat workers earlier. Tim says, do you know that there are 600 meat workers all over the country who have been diagnosed as COVID-19 positive? Meat factories should be closed down, says Tim from Limerick. And I don't know if any of them have been closed down, but there has been clusters of cases. I know that the Gardaí were and the HSE were out in one of the factories up the country and they went in to make sure the social distancing and so I think the problem and we touched on it when we spoke about it earlier the la- I think the language is becoming an issue because a lot of the people working in these meat plants English is not their first language and some of the 
information and the advice they've been given maybe it's getting lost in translation I don't know but certainly the HSE and the Gardaí are trying to do their bit to make sure that social distancing has been adhered to but if you have these groups of people who are working together and living together and then they can't self-isolate even if they come down with symptoms I, th- I think we do have a bit of a problem on our hands I don't know if it's closing of the meat plants is the way to go but Tim and Limerick feels that's the only way simply close down the meat plants we were talking about eggs earlier on some <laughs> Someone says, sent in text saying the little shop on the road to McCroom from Dunmanway, they sell free range eggs. Now I don't know the name, if anybody knows the name of that little shop on the road to McCroom from Dunmanway selling free range eggs and obviously if you can get locally produced free range eggs they will be the best and the nicest eggs you will ever have eaten and you're one way of guaranteeing that your eggs are local by getting the free free range ones sold locally. Una says, hi Patricia. With the garden centres and the opticians and the farmers and markets all due to open on uh, Monday, what happens if they're more than four kilometres away? We see you can travel outside of the five kilometres if what they say it's a necessary journey. Now if you were stopped by the Gardaí, why are you outside your five kilometres, Una? I'm going to the garden centre. It's the closest garden centre to me. Happens to be 10 kilometres from home be the same answer if you're going to the optician same if you're going to the farmer's market now they, they're saying to people don't abuse the restrictions but that could be your answer if you got stopped while you're outside your, your five kilometres because you're going to an outlet that you don't have within your five kilometres but what they're, they're, what they're trying to get through to people is you can't decide to get in the car and drive to Dublin and if you can stop by the Gardaí where, why are you going to Dublin well I'm going up to a garden centre there's a garden centre closer to you at home so you use the garden centre either that's closest to you or the one where you can get the items that you're looking for so yes you can go outside of the five kilometres because as it stands you can go outside the five kilometres when you're going shopping again they don't ask you to bypass your main you know if you're if you're living in a store to a supermarket then ideally you shop in that supermarket but if you have to go to another supermarket or for whatever reason you are allowed to go outside of the five kilometres so yes you will be okay uh, for that Hi Patricia my query and issue today is throughout the pandemic farmers have been working away the same as they've always done and yet the CO2 levels have dropped dramatically it's very obvious to me says this texter that it's the planes are causing major pollution. How come that this the, the TDs and nobody's highlighting this in the uh, doll? Um, nobody seems to be on, on about uh, it. It's something that is worth being mentioned in the doll. Thank you for that, and thank you to Trisha Bryan, who is in the social welfare officer in McCroom, who gave me a very detailed answer to the listener. One of the first texts I did this morning was from a listener who was a bit confused. They're on a COVID nineteen payment of three hundred and fifty euro, and they've just received a letter from their local social welfare officer with a job seekers form. And this listener is confused, saying, "I thought the COVID nineteen payment has been extended. Why am I being sent out the job seekers form?" And we were looking into. John Paul was trying to look into as to why that would have happened. Anyway, Trish in the McCroom Social Welfare Officer was on to say there are two possible reasons that that listener received the job seekers form. One, if you are have an adult dependent or you have children, you're financially better off on job seekers than you would be on the COVID-19 payment because the COVID-19 payment is only for one person. So if you're married or, married or living with your partner and you've got children, you're better off on job seekers. So that could have been one of the reasons that you were sent the forms. But the second one and probably the more likely one is when the COVID payment ends and it will end. OK, we don't have a date on it, but we're already hearing from government sources they can't continue forever to pay €350 Euro to everyone who lost their jobs because of COVID-19. So it will come to an end. 
at some stage. There's no date on it yet. But when it comes to an end, if you're still out of work, please God, the majority of people will be gone back, but there will be a percentage of people still out of work. Those people will then need to have a job seekers claim processed. Therefore, what they're doing in all of the social welfare offices, they're getting all of the paperwork ready so that there will be no delay from the switch over from a COVID-19 payment to a job seekers payment. All social welfare offices have hundreds of these claims ready to go when the COVID patient, uh, COVID-19 pay, payment ends. So that's sensible. That's good forward planning, I think, on behalf of the people in the social welfare uh, office, uh, offices. So that's possibly one of the reasons that one of our listeners, and it seemed to be, I don't think we got any more calls in from others saying that they've received the forms as well. It's just to have you ready for when the COVID-19 payment ends and hopefully that either before the COVID-19 payment ends or just as the COVID-19 payment ends, whatever job you were originally, you you originally got let go from, temporarily let go, that you'll be back in that job again. And thank you to Trish for taking the time to text us to 0862 103 103. And can I just give a quick mention, I was, this is just heartbreaking. I was reading, I was reading uh, the gorgeous photographs, uh, heartbreaking photographs though in many ways in the papers uh, today in a lovely piece by Owen English in The Examiner of Cork uh, yesterday bidding a very emotional farewell to an inspirational little girl Abby McGough she was just 12 and she sadly passed away earlier this week she had been born with um, cerebral palsy and she accomplished more in her 12 years than most of us will do in uh, 80 and her mum Leslie Ann God her heartbroken mum thinking of her today she uh, yesterday uh, spoke to now it was all social distancing and all of that went on and only a small group of people were obviously inside at the Requiem Mass in, in Blackpool I know it was streamed for others to watch it online but her mum said you faced many obstacles in your life but your courage determination bravery and your attitude meant that none of these obstacles ever held you back even for a split uh, second and I know her her sister Sabina her heartbroken sister Sabina speaking yesterday as well but there's just heartbreak pictures in the papers today so I just don't want to let, let the programme go without remembering Abby and to say that we are thinking of her mum uh, Leslie Ann, her sister Sabina and the rest of the family and there's just lovely photographs of the Gardaí and the other emergency services personnel who all campaigned for Abby uh, saluting her outside the church in uh, Blackpool so so sad uh, may Abby rest in peace The C103 Cork Diary With Cork County Council Supporting businesses, supporting communities Serving Cork Visit corkcoco.ie And Grow Mental Health Recovery They have developed a six week course entitled Creating Hope and Staying Positive in COVID-19 The programme contains tips and advice on how to deal with the pandemic over the next few weeks and if you would like further information you can go to www.grow.ie or they have an information line which is on 1850 474474 and some of the many groups around the county that are helping out if you have a medical or healthcare background and would like to help or offer your skills in a hospital, nursing home or daycare setting uh, you can contact Red Chair Recruitment on 064 6622 007 and members of Kinsale Volunteer Group 
are available to help people in the Kinsale area, particularly those that are cocooning and self-isolating. If you need anything, contact Kinsale Garda Station on 021 477 Court today on C103. With Mallow College, now enrolling for courses in September. Plan your future education. See the full range of courses at mallowcollege.ie. This is the Court Today replay on C103. And Joan by WhatsApp says, Patricia, you can't close factories. You know, the meat processing plants that somebody suggested earlier because there has been outbreaks of COVID-19 that they should all be closed. She said, you can't close them. If you close them, what would you do with all of the meat and the cattle? Why can't the instructions be written in different languages, says Joan, if it is a language issue and if we're assuming they're just not understanding the rules and regulations, then for me, it would be get a translator, get a native speaker of however many different languages are in the factory and make sure somebody is available constantly updating them on what are the rules and the regulations that are coming in. And on eggs, here's a lovely one. There's an honesty box on the road to Goleen duck and hen eggs and they're really tasty and that comes in from a West Cork listener I always love the idea I have to save those honesty boxes where you take what you want and then you leave the money and, and I'm assuming everybody is very honest about them which is which is terrific okay and just quickly catching up on the last of the texts um, Patricia hi yourself and Simon on the breakfast show this morning we're chatting about 1978 and moments from 1978 and you referenced who shot the who shot JR moment. But the whole country was watching that and everybody was talking about it. Fast forward now to 2020. Normal people and a global pandemic come along together to give us the nearest experience to that for a very long, long time says uh, Owen. Yeah, I don't remember a television programme. You're you're right on that. I don't remember a television programme that has had so many people talking about it and everyone if they haven't if you haven't or you're not watching normal people, then you know about it. It's just, it's one of those things. Yeah. Is, is it akin to who shot uh, JR? I wonder. Thank you for that to 0862 103 103. If you're heading out to do some shopping today or over the weekend, can we ask you, please, when you're doing your shopping, to pop into a local news agent and buy a local paper? We're trying to do our bit during COVID 19 to keep local papers going. Um, they are just as all newspapers are important but the local papers in particular uh, they need all the help that they can get so let's take a look at some of the stories that are making some of our local papers today in the Avenue, they've got an amazing story on the front page along with photographs of a lightning strike which devastated a home in Mitchellstown it was a Mitchellstown lady Niall O'Connor is writing had a lucky escape uh, as a lightning bolt blasted her home near the golf course last weekend. The incident happened shortly after 5pm last Saturday when a passing storm sent thunder and lightning into the uh, farmyard and there's there's a photograph of the roof uh, smouldering and you can see the, the fire the firefighters at the scene because there was huge thunder and lightning last Saturday and then if you were in the city there was none it seemed to be very much in the county and seemed to be very much in North Cork so that lady certainly had a lucky escape and also in the front of the avenue according to local GPs there's a growing number of people in the Formoy and Mitchellstown area have tested positive for COVID-19 in the past week and they're urging people to remain vigilant and to adhere to the public health guidelines and inside in the avenue making Killavollen look its best and there's just a fantastic before and after photograph 
photograph of a group of very well-intentioned locals who began a project a few weeks ago to tidy up the old railway bridge on the new line road in Kilavallam and they removed the overgrowth to uh, reveal the original stonewood of the bridge and it is spectacular. It really is spectacular and there's great photographs in the papers of it today and a great photograph of the local volunteers and they're, they're all having a cup of coffee and I can see they're all social distancing as well so I'm assuming they did, they're doing that during lockdown which is great. On the Vale Star lead story there is the council and the Gardaí moving to stop Caramie and people in Bottevant uh, certainly will be interested in this. Uh, Caramie Horse Fair will not be held this year but the Gardaí and the council officials are worried that thousands of people will simply attempt to travel to the town anyway so a plan has now been put in place to prevent access in the days leading up to the 12th of July because we've discussed it on this programme and the problem with Caramie is there's nobody organising the event in which you know we're constantly calling out about events being cancelled how do you cancel events that nobody organises so it's good to see the Gardaí and the council they really are on top of that at the moment and uh, they'll be blocking off all of the roads and the Vale Star also talking about churches throughout Cork and Limerick are reopening under strict conditions from next Monday and the faithful will be allowed to call in and spend a little time in private prayer. They're not reopening for Mass. Remember that it's just for private prayer. I must check with John Paul. Did we, did we get anything back from the Kerry Diocese? But we didn't. We got nothing back from Kerry because we were talking yesterday about the Cork the two Cork uh, dioceses and they certainly are opening for private prayer from next week but um, nothing back from from Kerry. My apologies to our Kerry listeners who were asking us if we could find out more about that. And uh, the Vale Star um, and the Mallow Star both have lovely tribute to the late Dick Willis Dick Willis the legend it's been it's written by uh, PJ O'Brien who is the PRO of the Mallow Trout uh, Anglers and of course Dick Willis was a former president of the Mallow Trout uh, Anglers and there is a lovely lovely tribute to the late great uh, Dick Willis and in the Cork Man they have a story about the Duhallow GAA trailblazers who went around the world to generate well Virtually, they went around the world to generate charity funding. What they did was there was 639 participants representing 23 Johalo GAA clubs and they performed the equivalent of running around the world. And they did it in three days after clocking up uh, a mammoth 40,835 kilometres and they did it across the highways and byways of northwest Cork and beyond and they did it across uh, last weekend. There's uh, more on the story and photographs of different members of different clubs in today's uh, Corkman. And also members of Kiskame GAA provided a guard of honour at the remains of a great Kiskane man, De- Dennis O'Connor. May he rest uh, in peace as he was laid to rest at the Duhallow uh, village um, this week and he is remembered in today's Corkman as well. And they're also talking about no cuts expected to the council's roads budget is a welcome story. A senior Cork County Council official has told the Canturk and Mallow County councillors that they're unaware of any cuts being made to the area's roads budget for the year and that's a result of the COVID-19 uh, payment. And the front page of the Mallow Star also of the churches reopening in Mallow 
and they're also talking about the Mallow 10k road race. The Athletic Club have decided to cancel their road race and it will now not return until March of 2021. And can we wish the best of luck to Benji? Benji Hallahan is releasing The Power of Song. It's a concert performed in 2015 in Donnerell, and it's now been uploaded onto YouTube by Benji Hallahan with the aim of ra- raising as much money as possible for Pieta House. So if you go on to YouTube and imagine if you Google the power of song or Google or, or just put in Benji Hallahan, you'll be able to see it. And the idea is that you watch it and then you consider making a donation to Pieta House. So well done to Benji on that. And let's go to West Cork to the Southern Star. And there is a story in the Southern Star of Councillor Deirdre Kelly, Fianna Fáil councillor. She slammed her party's decision to enter talks with Fine Gael, saying such a move would destroy the party. In what's been described as a strongly worded statement on Wednesday, Councillor Deirdre Kelly said that if Fianna Fáil is to survive, it needs to get back to the ordinary people of Ireland and really listen to them. And she said that will not be possible in a coalition government with uh, Fine Gael. I wonder how that went down with uh, Micheál Martin. Anyway, that's making the Southern Star, who also talk about West Cork churches, are, are doing a phased reopening for prayer. And that as well is from next uh, Monday. And then these wonderful Kinsale pods. <laughs> this is a lovely story in the Southern Star by Emma Connolly and she's got photographs of them as well an artist's impression of them they are wooden and perspect pods and the idea is that they would be installed in on street parking spots and they could be used by restaurants and coffee shops um, for people to sit in and have a meal and obviously be well able to social distance in them. They're terrific. I don't know if they're going ahead or not, but it's it's a, a great way. I saw something similar online. I think it was in Norway or Sweden when they reopened. They had these glass perspect boxes as well, but these look very stylish indeed, so we'll keep an eye on that. Okay, that's just some of the stories making the local papers this week. As I say, if you're, when you're going out doing your shopping, please remember and consider picking up a local paper. 1850 333 103. John Paul and Sadie taking your calls. Text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103. Cork today on C103. With Mallow College, now enrolling for courses in September. Plan your future education. See the full range of courses at mallowcollege.ie Simon's Celebrity Sees. Guess the celebs to grab the cash. On C103. Hello, who's that? Um, Verity Carson. See. Ben Affleck, Oprah Winfrey and Tony O'Donoghue. Tony Donahue, the sports presenter. The sports presenter, yeah. Mm, Mary. Yes. Yeah. You just won! <laughs> 1,540 euros! Serious. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot, maybe your new best friend. 
But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Simon Celebrity Sees. Play weekday mornings on Cork's More Music Breakfast. On C103. This is the Cork Today replay on C103. And thank you to Jim for reminding me and pointing out when I was taking a look at the local papers and reading out some of the stories from the local papers, one of the stories I referenced uh, was to do with the great Kiss Game man, Dennis O'Connor, who sadly passed away and that the members of the Kiss Game GAA had provided a guard of honour when he was laid to rest in Hollow uh, Village. But what I should have mentioned when I spoke about Dennis, Dennis was the pensioner who had, he's, when he passed away last week, he was 85, but when he was 83, two years ago, he was the pensioner, remember, who took on the three raiders in a bookie shop in Glenmire. Two had hammers and one had what looked like a gun. Remember that? And he took on a member of the staff and, and scared them off and uh, he was called a hero for his bravery. That's the gentleman that we're talking about who sadly passed away and our, our deepest sympathy to Dennis's uh, family. What, what a great man he was. And thank you to Jim. I should have mentioned that when I was doing my um, news paper review. Uh, thank you for your text to 0862 Let me go to Mark Malone, our movie reviewer. Good afternoon to you, Mark. Hi, Patricia. Okay, two movies for us, Military Wives and Guns Akimbo. Okay, we've got a trailer from Military Wives. Good afternoon, everyone. We are the Military Wives Choir. So you formed a choir. How do people get involved? Oh, they just turn up and there'll be a few beers afterwards. It's important to keep busy while our service people are away. I'm to let off a bit of steam. Two, three. Don't you want me, baby? That's lovely. Every successful choir is just a bad choir that didn't give up. We need to practice. We tweak, we review, we tweak, we review, till we come together like shoal fish. Top Brass need you to sing at the Festival of Remembrance. The big one on TV. Don't panic. (laughs) This choir isn't about singing for ourselves. It's about them being heard. To the choir. Ah, I love the idea behind this movie. This is based on a true story, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Like a lot of these films, um, the British kind of do this kind of thing very, very well. And if you list the kind of films that are like this down throughout the years, they, you could, you know, there's comparisons to them all. Films like Brass Dorf and The Full Monty and Calendar Girls. And I suppose most recently, uh, Fisherman's Friends, which I think you saw, didn't I you? I did, yeah, I did. And uh, which I think you enjoyed. Yeah, I loved it, loved it. I enjoyed it very much as yeah. well. So it's that same kind of film and it's that same kind of feeling and that same kind of, kind of that good feeling that you kind of get uh, from all of these films and like all of the ones I've just mentioned, they are all based on a true story. Uh, so this is the story of uh, um, a group of uh, military wives. They, they, they 
live in England in a military base. Uh, their husbands, uh, their uh, wives are heading off to Afghanistan uh, for a six-month tour. And so basically what they try and do throughout all that time is to keep themselves as occupied as possible because, of course, um, any knock on the door, any phone call they receive could be bad news. So to try and keep their minds from that, the character of Sharon Horgan, the Irish actress here, what she basically tries to do is to get them involved in all kinds of kind of walks and, and at one stage they try knitting but it ends up being a big kind of drug fest which is very, very funny. Um, and then along comes uh, Christian Scott Thomas. Now her husband, the colonel, has decided to go on another tour of Afghanistan even though she didn't want him to go because uh, she's dealing with the death of a member of her family, her son, who also became um, a, um, a soldier and unfortunately was killed uh, uh, on duty. And so she decides then to kind of become involved in the group. But, of course, by doing that, she then comes, uh, you know, and starts banging heads with Sharon Horgan, who has a kind of a more kind of simplistic way of kind of, um, and a, kind of a more lighthearted way on how they should spend their time rather than Kirsten Scott Thomas, who kind of very much kind of brings a kind of military wife kind of background to uh, what she wants the group to kind of get involved in. And what she wants the group to do is to sing. And, of course, uh, the, you know, the, the group look at, at each other and think, well, we can't sing. And she says, yes, you can. I can, uh, yeah, I can teach you. And and so that's where a lot of that uh, comedy comes from. It's kind of different, though, I think, to say something like Fishman's Friends and maybe Canada Girls and that there is a kind of a darker issue here because of uh, the reality of their lives. And they don't shy away from that in any way, shape or form. But the thing is, is that it's exactly what you want. It's exactly what you're going to expect. It's very formulaic. It's very cliched. It's almost like there's a template out there somewhere. You know? Well, it's a template they, that works. It's a template that works, exactly. Yeah, yeah. it's the kind of thing that, uh, you know... Um, that I think British uh, filmmakers uh, do very well. The performances are great. Kirsten Scott, Scott Thomas is always worth watching. Sharon Horgan is very good. And you've got uh, most of the other group, uh, I think, aren't very particularly well-known, but they always have their own individual kind of characterization, which is kind of what, what makes these films, really. And in the end, it, look, it, it was really, really entertaining. My wife loved through the whole thing. I shed a tear, I have to admit, ah. myself. Uh, and um, and I think uh, you know if you sit down and enjoy it, yes, everything is going to work, and uh, and and the route is going to take exactly the route that you expected. It's going to, but you know you'll have a blast along the way. And is there music? A lot of music. There is music. A lot music. of seventies songs. Uh, right. you've heard the we are family. Of it, yeah. A lot of eighties songs. And so if you're certainly um, somebody who kind of loves the music of that uh, generation. You'll know um, the music as well. You'll know the music. Yeah. And of course, uh, as usual with all these films, there is at the very, very end an appearance by the original group, which is always very nice. Great. OK, so that's Military Wise. Mark it out of 10? I'll give it eight. Eight out of 10. OK. Yeah. And you also watch Guns Akimbo. Yeah. Uh, uh, this stars uh, Daniel Radcliffe. Um, the thing about Daniel Radcliffe, of course, is that uh, Harry Potter made him a huge amount of money and actually still does. I mean, he still makes millions every year because of, you know, somewhere in the world, you know, some TV station. Showing, showing Harry Potter. Harry Potter. Yeah. And so what that does is that it gives him the chance um, because he doesn't have to rely on a film making particularly, you know, a huge amount of money. So he makes a lot of these kind of really, really small, independent, weird films. One of his films, for example, he had two horns going out of the top of his head. Uh, he also made a film where he was a dead body throughout the whole hour and a half of the film. Uh, so he does pick and choose these very, very odd kind of small kind of uh, independent movies. Uh, but the thing is that usually they are, one, very interesting, and two, he is very good in all of them. And that is certainly the case here. Um, there's a couple of interesting things about it. First of all, it's, even though it's, I think it's meant to be set in Chicago, the film is actually filmed in New Zealand with a New Zealand cast, apart from one Irish actor. And um, and so some of the accents are really, really odd and strange, you know. And uh, it's almost like 
uh, if you're not American, the one accent that every not American actor does is this one, where they all kind of talk like this. Hey, what are you doing? So there's a lot of these kind of actors, uh, accents. Luckily, Dan Jenny Redpath's uh, American accent is very, very good. Basically, what he is, he's basically a troll who just sits at home all night drinking beer, just criticizing everybody. And um, he lives in a very lawless society. And there is an online game where it was just played out for real, where basically people and gangs just chase each other in the streets once being filmed by drones. And basically, they kill each other for people's uh, entertainment. And he goes on and he criticizes that. The guy who's running the game, uh, this really, really nasty piece of work, uh, called Richter, played by an Irish actor called Ned Dennehy, who too forgets his accent every now and then. <laughs> There's one scene where he just completely forgets his American accent and talks with an Irish accent, which is very strange. So he decides that he's not too keen on Daniel Radcliffe. He pays a visit to his house one night, they knock him out, and basically what they do is they physically implant two guns into his arms, into his hands, so therefore he can't get rid of them. So basically his two hands are two guns. He then sets um, another character... Uh, called Nix, who's this kind of female character who's part of the game, who's a, who's a killer, to tra- track him down and, and kill him. So it's an extraordinary storyline. Um, the thing is, is that it, it basically, I think part of the problem is that the film wants to be kind of like Deadpool. It wants to have a lot of humor, uh, wants to be kind of deadpan in that kind of uh, way. But unfortunately, the writing isn't really good enough. The director is Jason B. Howden, who is an artist, really. He's, he's worked on, uh, you know, he's a computer kind of artist. And so the film looks really, really good, but he's also written this and he's not a very good writer. And that's where I think uh, the actors are kind of let down in that they are uh, being asked to say some of the most stupid things you've ever heard any <laughs> actors say. I mean, it's really, really dumb, some of the script. But the action sequences are very good. Extraordinarily violent. Let's keep that in mind because the violence really is turned up to 11 here. But it's really, really good fun at times. And the, the film looks great. I mean, it is beautiful to look at. And some of the action sequences are very good. Uh, even though very violent. Um, but as I said, just the script that lets it down, really. It's not often that you see such violence in a, in a, a movie that's built a comedy. Well, what I say, Deadpool, I think, uh, proved that it can be done. You yeah. know what I mean? But the thing about Deadpool is that Deadpool had a terrific script that was genuinely funny, as well as horrific and, 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 yeah. and entertaining. This is let uh, down by the script. By the script, yeah, which yeah. is a terrible pity. But uh, Daniel Radcliffe, he's a fine actor, and he is very, very good. And once again, gives 100%. Well done. And well worth it for that. But it is, um, I think it's 16 rated, so keep that in mind. Gordon's a Kimbo market out of 10? Uh, I watched it with a teenager. She said it's the best film she's ever seen. <laughs> <laughs> so she gave it 10. I give it 8. 8 out of 10, OK. Yeah. Listen, thanks for that. Have a lovely week. We'll talk next Friday. Yeah. Thanks for that. That is Mark Malone, our movie uh, reviewer. OK, some of your... Uh, calls. Uh, Kathleen Hurley was on with a suggestion. She reckons when all this is over, this is when we're out of lockdown and life returns to some kind of normality. She reckons there should be a huge big disco o- organised just for the over 70s and that, that they go outside to the disco and that all the rest have to stay inside and look at them out the window so that you might, we might get a feel for what the cocooners are doing at the moment. And John in Blackpool and I hope John in Blackpool contacted the local guard the station on this had two people knock on his door offering free haircuts. She said they, were, uh, they offered to come into the house and cut his hair but obviously John t- turned them down. I will be calling the guardy on that one uh, John that so much sounds like a scam and well done for not not leaving them in. Thanks to Joan in from Moy was on to say she prays daily for Anne Hurley and it was lovely to hear Anne on the programme uh, today. And then Ursuline Bandon was on to say she had an appointment last December for the South Infirmary and then she got a follow-up appointment which had to be cancelled due to COVID-19. She ended up this week missing a call from an 021 number. When she rang it back, it turned out to be the specialist's 
who she was due to attend, the receptionist, who then started to ask her, was she awaiting an appointment? And then started to ask her, did she have any COVID-19 symptoms? Did she have any shortness of breath? And then, so Ursula said, contacted us to say, was that a contact tracing call? Why would they have rang like that? But the, what it's not. What's happening is many people are getting appointments that were cancelled and now they're getting calls to say because they, they're opening back up the hospitals. They are in particular using the private hospitals and they're going back through people who either had appointments cancelled or people who were due appointments and you will get a phone call and certainly they're starting this from Monday. So they are they wouldn't have time to be sending letters out to people. The easiest thing is to pick up the phone and start ringing people. So you may get a phone call offering you an appointment for next week. And we're encouraging people, please. I know there is a bit of a fear factor and people are terrified of going anywhere near a hospital. If you get an offer of an appointment to go see a specialist, please, please go ahead and take up that appointment because everything has been put in place to make it as safe as possible and they're trying to fill up bed capacity. There's an awful lot of bed capacity there at the moment, thankfully. We were talking about this this during the week where the, the hospitals are starting to open up to non-COVID-19 related issues and I know heart and cancer, cardiac and cancer issues are two of the ones that they're really going to try and focus on at the start. They're going to keep the hospital capacity. They won't let it go over 80%. So there will always be 20% of beds free for fear that there will be a second wave. Please God, there won't be. So please, if you get a phone call, or they may start issuing letters as well, but at the moment they seem to be ringing people. Please take up that appointment and go. And John is complaining about Duns. Duns in Mallow have put clothes into the food section because Duns in Mallow, for those that don't know, has a food section and has a clothes department, which is separate. Obviously, since COVID-19, the the clothes part has been closed and only the food place has been opened. Now, other Duns stores, you can walk through the clothing department to get to the food uh, section, so they haven't had that problem. So I'm assuming clothes was on sale in the other Duns. Anyway, Duns in Mallow have decided to move some of their clothing. They can't move over it. All of it, some of their clothing into the food section and John reckons that that now is creating a problem and he says and I quote it's, it's women they go into a trance he says when they see clothes and he said he was in there this morning and there was groups he said there was five women all standing in the one social distancing box you know Duns have the ground laid out showing people what the two metres are and he said it's terrific. There's a person at the door telling you about social distancing, but it's almost, he said, like they were ignored. As soon as he got in, he saw the clothes. That was it. So um, he reckons that's a wrong move on behalf of Duns. OK, that's where I leave you for today and indeed for this week. My thanks to Sadie and to John Paul for taking your calls. We'll be back with you on Monday morning at 10 o'clock onto the Nine Patricia Messenger. A very uh, good afternoon. Stay safe. Court today on C103. With Mallow College. Now- now enrolling for courses in September. Plan your future education. See the full range of courses at mallowcollege.ie. Cork loves the arts. We do too. That's why we bring you The Arts House. Every Sunday on C103. Hi, it's Elmery. Join me on Sunday morning when we take a look at what's happening in the arts in Cork and help you plan some great nights out at the theatre or see the latest films on release, catch a brilliant music gig or find the perfect book to get stuck into. The Arts House. Sunday mornings, 8 to 10 with Griffin's Potatoes Cork. Fresh, flowery and full of taste. It's at the root of what we do. On C103. Every couple has a story of how they met. My mum met my dad at school, uh, in detention. My best friend met his wife at a club through a friend of a friend. 
And my boss met her fiancé after they got chatting online. Find someone to share your story with at c103dating.ie. 24% of Irish people have tried online dating and one in five relationships begin there. At c103dating.ie, we have genuine nice people that would like to meet you. Begin your story today by registering for free at c103dating.ie. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well... HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello HelloFresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm. 